Hello, and welcome back to a series of horror podcasts, the podcast that does deep dives in horror movie franchises. I'm Jackie from Canada. I am Jeff from America, and it has been a nice extended vacation of eight months. <laughs> Truly an extended vacation. <laughs> We've spent some time in a beach, mm-hmm. some time trapped at home mainly. Some jigsaw traps, just like completely trapped and unable to watch movies or uh, talk about them for a little bit there. Or in track anyways, we were tied to film projectors <laughs> in, a th- in a movie theater because we don't value our lives. We spent too much time of our lives watching movies. So we had to like take some things apart. It's very, It was very intricate. It took us eight months, but we finally <laughs> got out of it. It's Jigsaw was like us because, you know, he really took it easy on us. Yeah, he gave us a full eight months to figure this shit out. <laughs> Nicky <laughs> started to give us hints. He was, yeah, he was just like, oh, I'm sick of feeding these fucking drugs. Like, like, Jesus Christ, how much popcorn can they eat? All right. Uh, I was going to say, I do apologize, my friends. My voice is a little hoarse today. Um, I'm just getting over the Rona myself. So I've still been Neo Matrix dodging it for a good year and a half now. I don't know how you've been managing that in fucking Florida. Meanwhile, I'm in this small ass town in Canada. And yet here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's like locked down. They put a fence around it. No one's out in or out. Me in Florida, we're like, people spit on you when you walk down the street. And it's like, <laughs> no, hey, we're <laughs> oh, it's Lord. Like, no Rona. I've been good. <laughs> Lucky you. Dodging it out. I was talking to my doctor today and she was just like, do you feel better now? Do you feel like safer because you have it so then you can't get it again? I'm like, there's a new variant every day. I don't feel safer. She's like, yeah, fair point. Feel good for like a week. Okay? Like feel good about it for like one week at least. And you're not going to leave the house that week anyway, so you're going to be able to feel fine. <laughs> You'll be all right. Oh, Lord. Well, you know what I got for our first episode back? A little Ooh, mini bottle of champagne. <laughs> to pop the Let cork. pop the cork. It's a, it's a celebration. That was very anticlimactic. It's not like winning a championship at all. I'm sorry. So I feel very... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. And if you listen to this on posting day, it is also, not only is it our eight month glorious return, mm-hmm. it is also our one year anniversary. Yes, it is. One year podcast old. I mean, does it count if we took eight months off? Are we really only a four month old podcast? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> January 20th is January 20th. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Fair enough. You know, we don't have to pay attention to those details. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We have a whole bunch of stuff planned. We're coming back bigger and better than ever. We are going to be way more organized this time. That's the hope, at least. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> the plan is to be more organized. That's our New Year's resolution. <laughs> I am six whole days into being more organized, and if you could see the rest of this room right now, you would realize that it's not going well. (laughs) You can only see this one little sliver of my space. Everything is like, I look like a hoarder, I think. It's just, it's bad. Stuff everywhere. Maybe not that bad, but still. I have a nice little corner that I'm trapped in where I can record my recording station. Well, we have, and Jackie's going to be working on her TikTok videos, dancing. Yes. Coming up in in the new year. I've been practicing all those dance moves for the TikTok. Not at all. No, you really don't want to see me dance. Very unfortunately, my parents put me in dance classes when I was younger and they would have to go to recitals to see me dance and pay for it. And like, it was just a painful time for everyone. It was just no good. 
So they paid twice. They paid for the classes, and yeah. then they paid for the recital. Mm-hmm. And they had to pay for the costumes that I wore. They paid so much money just oh, to geez. see like that their child really had no rhythm. <laughs> like, <laughs> so much money. Did they put you like in the back corner? Jackie's the tree in this recital. You just had to stand there. Just yeah, yeah I was usually in the back corner. There was one time because um, <laughs> we had a dance routine that had hula hoops, and I was the best hula hooper. So they put me in the front right. in the hula hoop segment, and then they were like, okay, we're back to dancing. You go in the back. <laughs> Behind these other three girls that are dancing, but you know, just just hang out there. Yeah. <laughs> go work the lights. Go work, go with them in the back. Start work, work the curtain. Yeah, I was gonna say, you see that thing there? They call it the wings, and it's covered by a curtain. That's where you should be. <laughs> Dance like no one's watching, because no one is. Because no one is. But um, that's our plan. We. Had- and some of you might be thinking to yourselves, hey, where's the Conjuring 3 episode I wanted so bad? Right? <laughs> the episode that broke us. <laughs> and, and to that I say, one day, you <laughs> one of these seasons is going to be our catch-up season yeah. where we pick things up, you know. My friends, Jeff made it through that movie. I don't know how. I made it maybe halfway through that movie, but I don't think it was even that much. It's bad. It was so horrible. I could not continue bad. watching it. And thus we went on a break for eight months because <laughs> I couldn't get around it. I think the break could have been maybe four or five months. Yeah. If we would have decided earlier to screw it, not go back to so, the conjuring. Yeah. But Jeff had this brilliant idea that we should come back with my favorite horror movie franchise. We started the, the podcast with my favorite franchise, which was Saw. And now we're starting again with Jackie's favorite, Scream. Not only that, it's fitting because a new Scream movie is out by the time you listen to this yeah i just double checked the release date and it's january 14th yes so by now we probably would have watched it maybe in the hope, theater uh well theaters are closed here in canada so all right in florida they make you go to the theater so they and they make you sit next to people <laughs> and someone in your lap it's just it's horrible it's just oh, the way no. things are here i felt that way um one of the movies i went to so theaters were open briefly and then you know the covid got bad again so I went to go see some Marvel movies. Definitely Raja's choice, not mine. <laughs> and, you like Spider-Man, I'm guessing. Oh, I loved Spider-Man, I will admit that. See? Yeah, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. So I was like, I will go see Spider-Man. The old Spider-Mans mm-hmm. are going to be in it. Excellent. Yes, my point was we went to one of those fancy theaters that has like the reclining chairs, except then you're in COVID and Ooh. this person's reclining into your lap and you're like, please don't do this. <laughs> All right, so we're going to kick this off with, obviously, the first Scream, which was just called Scream, much like the fifth one. So that's not confusing or anything. But if we learn anything from Halloween, we know it can be done. This is true, I guess. Yeah, because I was Googling my fun facts and I was just, I just put in Scream because that's the name of the movie. And then I only got Scream 5 stuff. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. So I had to be like, Scream 1996. I was going to say we were talking about like how long it's been. And you're right. It's almost 30 years (laughs) since this movie came out, Jeff. Holy shit. Like, I'm like, wow, Nev Campbell looks so young compared to what she looks like in the trailer of this movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Almost. Well, when did you first see Scream 1996? Scream 1996. I saw it in 1997. Okay. It was uh, uh, like I had an uncle of mine that recorded it for me off of his bootleg cable box. I had one of those at one point. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, I have bootleg cable. It's on pay-per-view. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to record all the movies that are on pay-per-view. So it was like on a tape with like three other movies. 
on a stack of like four or five tapes that I got at the same time. And for the life of me, I can't even remember any of the other movies I got at the time. I remember that's how, but I do remember that's how I saw Scream and was nothing, blown away. Nothing else was memorable. <laughs> no, nah, nothing. I think Devil's Advocate might have, no, Devil's Advocate was a little, well, I saw it differently. But you know, it was, Scream was there and it was just like, I, at the time. All right, all right, g- children, gather around, gather around. <laughs> Old man just talking. Mm-hmm. All right, um, back mm-hmm. in my day, and back in the, in the wilds of 1996, <laughs> When I was but a wee seventeen-year-old boy, the world ahead of me. Anyway, but <laughs> the real big thing about this movie at the time, or what I remember the biggest conversation about, is the quote-unquote twist ending. Yes, yeah, it was funny. I put this on at Halloween this year because I, I usually watch either this or Idle Hands every Halloween, along with Halloween 1978. So I had this on, and I had a bunch of my coworkers coming over because, you know, we're a ghost store company. It's Halloween. Why don't you come hang out at my house and watch horror movies? None of them had ever seen it before because they're that young. And they're just like, they're watching the movie, and they're just like calling out everything before it happens. They're like, oh, this is going to happen because that's like the horror movie trope. And I'm like, you don't understand that this movie helped invent the tropes. Like, This is the movie that, that shined the light on them, that kind of codified them as rules. They were kind of rules, but not really before then. The, this is the one. Yeah, but they were like, oh, from the first scene with Billy, they're like, he's going to be the killer. It's always the boyfriend. And I was just like, hmm. They should have said he's going to be the killer because he's a lunatic this entire movie. I mean, that would have been a bit more fair. <laughs> yeah, he never even tries to play it off like he might not be the killer. And even when he's saying, I didn't do it, he's saying it crazy eyes. Yeah, well, okay, so the thing is, is that Skeet Ulrich, who plays Billy Loomis, he thought that this was just a straight horror movie. He didn't realize that it was supposed to be satirical or comedic at all. So he would be in scenes with Jamie Kennedy and Matt Lillard, and he would be getting mad because he's like, why are these guys just like joking around in the scene? It's a serious movie. And Wes Craven would be like, no, it's not. What the fuck are you talking about, bro? <laughs> not even a little bit, bro. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I've done serious movies. This ain't one yeah. of them. <laughs> we are very much winking at the camera right here. Like. <laughs> Well, so I I was a youngin in 1996, so I did not see this when it first came out. I was five years old, so I did not see it until I think it was 2002 was when I saw it. So I went to my local blockbuster every weekend. I would rent a bunch of horror movies. So I had never seen the series. So I was like, yeah, OK, I'll go and rent the series. And the only thing I knew about Scream, obviously, I knew the Scream mask because it was so fucking popular after the movie. And I knew from my friend Kayla, who had seen it when it like had first come out, that there was a scene that made her terrified of closets. <laughs> and that's all I knew about it going in. I'm trying to figure out what scene would make her terrified of closets. It's the first encounter Sydney has with Ghostface. He pops out of the closet, right? Um, does he? Oh, yeah. yeah, he does. He does. She was terrified of that. There's a bunch of closets in this movie now I think about it, because Stefanzi goes into his closet with his jacket. At the end, Sydney bumps out, jumps out of the closet to stab him with the umbrella. And Stu is in the closet for the entire movie, so you know. <laughs> it's funny. This, this is the first year. This year is the first time I've ever heard about that theory. Really? When I first watched it, I 100% like, I was like, there's something weird going on with them. I don't know if it's just the actors decided this or if it was written in there. And then in Scary Movie, that's the whole joke is that they are lovers, right? So they picked up on it earlier, I feel like. I didn't even get that Loomis was like being crazy man the entire movie until <laughs> later on in life. Yeah, I agree. Like my first watch through of it, I wasn't sure who the killer was. Like I, I fell for every red herring in that movie Me when too. I first watched it. 
let's get into it. You know how we like to start here on this podcast with some font time. This movie does open up with a font. The font, eh, it's not so great. No, it's whatever. It's very plain Jane. It's a very plain font. Once again, it looks like they were just, you know, on Microsoft Word and they're like, let's find the chiller font. Okay, this is good enough. <laughs> like This is old enough. They might have created the chiller font, maybe. It didn't exist back then. They're like, chiller, <laughs> that's something with yep. sharp edges because we're stabbing people. Yeah. Well, it was actually, it wasn't exactly sharp. Like there were some sharp edges, but it's also like kind of like wavy as if it's like blood or something because yeah. like they switch from oh, white yeah. to red. Wasn't the best font, but whatever. It's only on our screen for few seconds there part two they have a little bit more money and then they could just like like the saw movies like the first saw movie terrible new times roman just like saw yeah. and then the next ones became all fancy the 3d one was really elaborate well we'll have to track the fonts as they go <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, we then cut over to Drew Barrymore, and her name's Casey in this movie. She is hanging out at her house in her beige sweater, getting ready to watch a movie. In her palatial estate. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff and I, we decided to watch this movie together, and we just could not comprehend the estates that each one of these people lives at, but none of them have fucking cars. Like, what's happening? Why she's taking the the yellow bus to school when she apparently is a millionaire? And her dad looks like he sells insurance somewhere. Like Her her dad looks like a bum. I don't know. Like, I don't get it. He's going to win business. It was like some dude that works at the gas station. No offense. But <laughs> not to afford a palatial estate with, like, no neighbors for miles. I like yeah. when she's standing on her back porch and you just see a mountain. <laughs> Maybe they bought that in, like, the last year with the mom's life insurance money. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow. Oh, man. She was. She has so much insurance. Look, look what we have now. This $7 million home. Yeah, but like Drew's house is also incredibly large. And then we were like, when she got outside, we were like, is this a vineyard? <laughs> like, it's too nice. If you'd have moved around a little bit, you'd have found where they make the wine, apparently, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was all wine all over her. It wasn't blood. It was just, you know, she got into the wine. That's why they killed her. She wouldn't share her wine with them. So they got mad. Yeah. Stabbed. <laughs> Well, okay. So at this point, she's just wandering around her house. She goes into the kitchen. She gets a phone call. Seems to be the wrong number. But then they call back to apologize. And then she hangs up on them again. And then they call again. At this point, wouldn't you hang up a third time and like have told them, I'm sorry, please stop harassing me. If you call one more time, I will be calling the police. As somebody that doesn't pick up the phone, I probably would have answered. I probably wouldn't have answered after the second one. Yeah, yeah. So caller ID wasn't popular until after this movie. So I guess she couldn't tell it was the same person calling time and time again. But come, come, come on, come on, come on, like now. Like wait for it to go to voicemail. Listen to the voicemail, and if it's mom, call her back. Remember, it's an answering machine. There'd have been a tape <laughs> or something somewhere. Yeah, she would have to <laughs> rewind the tape, go through the old messages. Yeah, some. But- but still, I'm busy making popcorn. I'm making Jiffy Pop here. I have no time to be talking on the phone all night long. Gorgeous estate, but they don't have a microwave. <laughs> no, screw it. They don't have a popcorn maker because at this point, I'm going to just assume they just have one. They just have a, a dedicated machine for which to make popcorn with. But no, no, no. They have to get the Jiffy Pop because they don't have any of these. Why can't I think of that word? <laughs> Appliances. That's the word. Or they don't have like a servant or something to make them... <laughs> Reginald, could you come here and make me popcorn? Exactly. Also, could you answer the phone? (laughs) Tell him I'm busy watching a movie. Can't be bothered tonight. Yeah. But no, Drew does not call for Reginald. She does 
not get him to make popcorn or answer her phone. She answers the phone herself, starts mm-hmm. having a full on conversation with this dude. Yeah, flirty and the whole thing. Yeah, they're talking about how she's going to have a movie night in. She's going to watch a scary movie. And he asks her what her favorite scary movie is. She says Halloween. Kind of. She says, I don't know. The guy with the mask and his white and he kills people or something. I'm like, really? Your favorite, huh? <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. She also mentions that she enjoys Nightmare on Elm Street, which call out to director Wes Craven of this film and yeah. Nightmare. Like how he said only the first one was good. I was like, the third one's the best. Third one is the best. Dream Warriors is incredible. What is she talking about? But no, I, I do agree. I fucking love the first one. It used to be my no, favorite horror movie, but then I realized oh. more in recent years that I actually love Scream more. Mm-hmm. So I think Scream's my favorite. And a lot of people like New Nightmare a, a lot. That has a lot of fans. Mm, yeah, that's fair. But anyways, okay. They continue to talk. He asks her what her name is, saying that he wants to know who he's looking at. Yeah. So at this like, point, she's, yeah, she's tipped off. What did you say? And then he corrects himself to who I'm talking to. And she's like, that's not what you said. She starts locking doors this way. She's going around the house, locking doors. Yeah, and she's saying that she's going to hang up. She's going to call the police. Chains up two more times on him, and then the third time when he calls back, he says, if you hang up again, I will gut you like a fish. She takes that well. Yeah, this is when she starts locking the doors. She hadn't been locking the doors yet. Now she's, now she's locking the doors. Because there are 17 doors to get into this house. She's busy. Um, There are only two. He says that in just a moment, but anyway. No, the, the patio thing, the glass doors where her boyfriend is. There's like 17 doors there. Where <laughs> There's 17 doors there. And then another back door, wait. apparently, without yeah, she glass. She exits the other back door. And then <laughs> it's a lot of doors. I'm like, I don't know. She's on some sort of game show. It's like, choose your door. It's a new car. What? Hold on. What's happening? <laughs> wait, what? I thought I was going to be murdered. Yay! I got a car. She's so rich. It's probably a new car there, anyway. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. She's asking him what he wants. He says he wants to know what her insides look like and this is at the point when i was telling jeff that i i have a problem that i've seen the scary movie version of this scene too many times that a lot of the lines as soon as i hear them i just imagine what happened in scary movie next <laughs> so like in this case he's like want to see what your insides look like and carmen electra's like turn to the centerfold and then he's like <laughs> yes but anyways then the doorbell starts ringing and she screams who's there and then he's like never say who's there you might as well go check out a strange noise get it because that's what they do in scary movies exactly so right away right off the bat we're we're jumping in with the horror tropes and how this killer is going to call you out on them. a little bit of fun so new for the time it came out a perfect time the barren wasteland where there were 90s horror movies before this were oof. it's so true also i didn't realize that kevin williamson did this before dawson's creek i thought he was already famous and then did this but i was wrong oh i didn't know he did dawson's creek yeah he's the creator of dawson's creek a truly terrible show my friends really it was very popular uh it was and i watched all of it during one of my horrible depression lows i got the full box set of all the seasons from my sister's boyfriend at the time because he had it for some reason i have questions but fine i'll just leave it as is (laughs) so yeah i just like watch binge it at all while horribly depressed in my apartment full of cockroaches it was a good time in my life Mm -hmm. sounds yeah sounds great um I'm assuming Dust Creek didn't help. Nope, nope, it really didn't. No, it was really boring and it ended on such a bad note. And they kill off the dad at one point because I think the actor just didn't want to be on the show anymore, but it just didn't make sense. I don't know. But back to this movie. <laughs> Not a creek in sight, believe me. Not a neighbor either. I mean, I think when we were looking at the beautiful estates every once in a while, there was some water in the background. <laughs> <laughs> some water down in the valley there with Dawson and Pacey are down there. <laughs> <laughs> Down there, there's people getting grapes for the wine in Casey's house. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. He says he wants to play a game with her. Then she sees that her boyfriend's tied up outside. So he wants to play a game for his life. He tells her to turn off the porch lights. And then he asks her to name the killer in Halloween, her favorite movie. And so she tries to like, no, no, I can't. I can't. And then eventually she tells him it's Michael Myers. He's like, good job. Great. Okay. Next question. She's like, no more questions. (laughs) Wait, you're not the host of the show. Come on. Didn't I already win my car? Please. That's not the way the show works. Come on. He then asked her to name the killer in Friday the 13th. A wonderful little trick question. Yes. She screams, Jason's Jason. I know that one, Jason. I've seen the movie a million times. I know it's him. She's like, wrong, wrong. If you've seen that movie so many times, you would know the mother was the killer in the first one. Not Jason yeah. didn't come into the second one. Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> come on now. What's her name? Pam Voorhees? Yeah. It's her. Yes, Pamela. Because she gets it wrong, he guts the boyfriend and she turns back on the lights and she sees this really gruesome scene of her boyfriend's tied to the chair and all his guts are spilling out. I love it. Uh, you know me, impractical. <laughs> yeah. I fucking loved it. Um, so the way that they did that was that the actor had the top of his torso sticking out of the chair and like his arms on the armrests or whatever, right? But the rest of him was behind the chair and then they had a fake body that attached to his chest and had the guts. So they cut it open, just falls out. Yeah. Lovely. Very gnarly, very cool. He asks her another question and his next question is, what door am I at? There are two main doors to your house. I guess it was two main doors, okay? So Yeah, because the other doors would make no sense because it's glass to be able to see if he was there or not, you know? You would think, but then he throws a chair through the fucking glass and she's like, ah! You're at that one. I know where you are. (laughs) (laughs) You showed your hand too soon. Thought this was a game. Do I just get the car then? Is that the way that works? (laughs) I'm gonna just run outside and grab it. Okay, cool. Actually, I'm just gonna run outside and stand there. (laughs) Well, first she runs to the kitchen. She grabs herself a knife. Then she heads outside one of the side doors and she looks in through the window and sees that Ghostface is running around the living room. She ducks underneath the window and starts crawling away and then she's like, oh, I'm just gonna peek to see that he's still busy or whatever. But then he's like right there at the window. He crashes through the glass. She punches him in the face with a phone. Apparently that was Wes Craven taking the phone to the face. Pain for his art. See, he's, he's yeah. He suffers for his art. He was, he was a great, great man. Also, did you know that the only reason that he did this movie was because he met a 10-year-old boy who told him that he was getting soft and that all his horror movies fucking suck now? <laughs> he was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Because 90 was People Under the Stairs. Then he did like New Nightmare in 94-ish, I want to say. That sounds about right. Then it, was, then it was Scream. Is that when he did like the, the his one like like love story movie? Hey, I can't remember the name of now. Was that in the eighties too? I didn't know he did a love story. He did one. He did one like non-genre movie, mm. like something of the heart. Ugh. But yes, but Wes Craven, and that's when you get to see the vineyard. This is when you see the vineyard. Like it's oh, it yes. pans to her thinking about running, and what you see is a big vineyard, huge. Mm-hmm. And her parents driving up to the house from like 17 miles away because there's nothing else. Yeah. Cars don't even drive on these roads. There's just nothing but grapes <laughs> for miles. I, I was house jealous. There were many times where I was house jealous in this movie. I I mean, I always loved Stu's house too with the cool stairs going in opposite directions. Oh, no, that is cool. Yeah. I, I, but I, I like uh, Sydney's house. I, I have to say, I do like Sydney's house. I think it's that yeah. deck. She has a huge deck that comes up, that goes off a cliff and all oh, you see are mountains. Also, as a woman who was once a teenage girl, I would have loved a system where my door locked. Well, me and Jackie watched the movie. I was looking up the value of these houses. The only one I was able to turn up actually was this house was Casey's house. 
It so that one sold for seven million dollars. I'm assuming because of the vineyard. My guess was way under, but or was I guessing for Sydney's house? I was guessing for Sydney's house. Like, like, yeah, you guessed from one point two, but that one that I was looking no, up something. No, I guess two point four. <laughs> yeah, two point four. <laughs> Very <laughs> yeah, but still, oh, these houses. So as Jeff was saying, she like still has her phone in the ha- in her hand, and she's running or trying to like around her house. And Ghostface is right behind her. He has his knife. He grabs her, and then he you can see the actor very specifically being like, "Okay, where's the blood pack in her breast? Like, I need I need to figure out exactly where this is." And then he's like, "Okay, there, stab." <laughs> he takes his sweet time, and she's like, "All right, hurry up and stab me." <laughs> you see him like, "Wait, look." Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Here it is. (laughs) Exactly. So he stabs her in the chest. She falls to the ground. They have like a struggle on the ground for a while. She still has the phone on (laughs) in her hand. She doesn't let go of the phone for the rest of the movie. Like she does. Oh, oh, well, for the The rest of her life. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, they struggle. She ends up kicking Ghostface off as her parents are walking up to the front door. She struggles making her way over to the porch and she's trying to scream out to them, but he's split her throat or strangled her. I forget what what it was. But anyways, she can't talk. So she's just like gasping. He's stabbed in the chest. And then like when she tries to to move or whatever, she like kicks Mm -hmm. him or something. Then Mm -hmm. he stabs her like through her throat. Like Uh, that was it. In her neck, in her neck, like her neck, not her throat attack, but in her neck. So she's like, can't speak. Yeah. So at this point, I yelled, as I always do when I watch this movie, throw the fucking phone. (laughs) Throw Throw it at your parents. That will get their attention. Like, kick over a flower pot, do something, wave your arms, do something. Like, anything. Anything at all, Casey. But no. But nothing. Casey's useless. Yeah, she is. Her parents go in the house, they hear the fire alarm going off and find, like, the Jiffy Pop on fire, practically. Um, And then they see there's all this smashed glass everywhere. Somehow don't see her dead boyfriend in the backyard. They're just like, tra-la-la. I don't know him. It's fine. Random dead boy in the backyard, huh? Wait, someone killed Steve. Oh, thank God. I thought I was going to have to do that. (laughs) I didn't like Steve, huh? I guess we can call off the hitman now. All right, fine. Uh, but let him keep the money. You know, we have enough. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I'm, Casey just died, so maybe he can keep that car instead. <laughs> so they pick up the phone, try to dial 911, but Casey's still on the line. They can hear her being murdered. It's really upsetting. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. The line goes dead. The dad tells the mom to go down the street to the Mackenzie's. Which, fun fact, is a line from Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So Lori actually tells Tommy at one point to go down the street to the Mackenzie's to, like, for a rescue. So. Yeah. But, but what he does tell her is take the car and drive over to the neighbor's house because their neighbors are so, so far, far away. <laughs> there's no way you're going to walk there and get there at a reasonable time. So you have to <laughs> drive there. Or, you know, use your private jet. Like, it might be that far. Get the chopper from the back. You just like... <laughs> Scoot over. Get in the chopper! Get in, yes, Arnold's there. It's great. <laughs> the mom goes out onto the porch and she sees that Drew, is, or sorry, Casey is dead. She's hanging from the tree in their front yard with her guts spilling out. Again, real graphic and gross. Whoever killed her, Stu, Billy, spoiler warning, they really, or maybe it's between the two of them that they strung her up. Maybe that's how they were able to do it so fast. Yeah, that's what I was asking you. I'm like, how did they manage this so fast? They were just listening to her being murdered on the phone. They said one line to each other. She walks outside of the house and she's strung up and gutted. Like, And not to mention, the tree was very far from where she was stabbed because, you know, yeah. there's a lot of land here. 
I don't know, man. I guess maybe they used that new car that she was supposed to win. Or maybe, like, let's say Billy, he already had the ropes ready, right? Uh, okay. And then Stu just had to come dra- drag her over, and then they just had to, like, finish it up. Yeah, Billy had, like, the rope ready. He had one of those, like, little red wagons, and he, like, re- wheeled it right up, and then they like, tossed her yeah. on in. He's like, run! <laughs> Go, run! Tides this, and then they left. I'm gonna leave the mask behind. I don't think they left the mask behind because they didn't know about the costume until the attack on Sydney. Oh, that's when they knew about Oh, yeah, because they found the front yard. That's right. Well, speaking of Sydney, we now cut to Sydney and we got introduced to her. She's on her computer on like a black screen with white font. She's just typing away. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because I had a computer in 1996 and like, I don't recognize this program. What are you doing? It was like a generic typing program. But like, why was it a black screen? I remember back then it was normal. It was like a white screen with... Oh, no, I had a black screen one. Oh, really? Okay. In my very first computer that I got maybe... It's older than that because I got it maybe in 93. Okay. But I still had it in 96. It was like, it had, one, it had a blue screen, like typing thing. And it was like blue on yellow, which is weird. So I had something like that. I feel like it was around 95 or 6 that my family got like the family computer in the living room. And so maybe it was. Back then you had to get WordPerfect or I think Lotus was the other one. And those were expensive. We got the free one. We used the free one that came with the computer. Always the computers that we would get were from my dad's business, like the old computers. So they already had like Microsoft. Word or not Microsoft Word, whatever the program was at the time, right? But anyways, okay, so she's on her computer, she's typing away on her black screen, and then Billy, her boyfriend, he pops up in her window to sneak in, which is very reminiscent of Glenn sneaking into Nancy's room in Nightmare on Elm Street, which is fun. Oh, yeah. So she screams because Billy startles her, and then her dad comes running, and this is where we're first introduced to what I call the door gag, where her bedroom door can be blocked by her closet door and thus not able to open. This seems like poor design for me to me, but fine. Yeah, such a fucking fancy house and they can't figure <laughs> out doors. Like <laughs> it's it's like so bad it's purposeful. Like it's so bad. They had to have been done that on purpose. Alas. Through their conversation, we find out that her dad's leaving for a trip. He's gonna be gone for a while. He gives her all the information. And then he leaves the room and she starts chatting with her boyfriend. He tells her all about how he was watching the exorcist on TV and it reminded him of her. <laughs> The sweet talker that is that is Billy saying, hey, you remind me so much of Reagan from Texas when her skin's all flaky and falling off and cut open. No, his comparison instead is that, you know, our relationship used to be X rated like the exorcist should be. But I was watching the edited for TV version. So it was all tame. That's what our relationship has become. And like, I'm not OK with that. My eyes just rolled so hard they got stuck a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It was so bad, I couldn't even say anything. I'm like, I have nothing. I I couldn't even comment on it so bad what he said. It was like, ugh. I don't know if it's because I've seen the movie so many times that I ignored the like conversations a lot of the time, I guess, because I think that I know them. But it was, you know, actually listening this time. I'm like, what the fuck is this conversation? (laughs) But then he keeps on. I love it because like he leaves it. He doesn't even leave it there. Like he doubles down on it later. Yeah. Yeah. He's just the worst, man. So they decide to have their PG-13 makeout session instead where she stops him before he tries to go up her nightgown. Which, by the way, what 16-year-old girl is wearing this nightgown? <laughs> well, later you see Tatum in like this, in like a full set of PJs, like the button-up ones with the pants, like when she's... Slightly more realistic? I guess. Like, <laughs> Maybe. most people I know, it's pajama pants and some sort of t-shirt on top. <laughs> like, but no. It wasn't even those. It was like the fancy ones, like the button-up with the stripes and stuff. Like, this is Maybe nice. that's why she reminds him of The Exorcist, because like, Regan has one of those 
Oh, yeah. The, the real long little girl night shirt is what she's wearing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he's like, oh, your wardrobe. It's exactly like her. Exactly. Just like Reagan. Yeah. It just makes it so much more creepy because now, like, oh, yeah, it's just like a. How old is Reagan? 12 in this movie? Yeah, 11? like 12 or 13. Like, she's young. Yeah. Billy, I'm worried about you. Well, well you're a lunatic, so I'm not that worried. <laughs> we were already worried about him before this. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, you're not helping matters, Mr. Lewis. No, nothing you say is making things better. <laughs> oh, man. So he says, as he's exiting her window, that, oh, you know, I, I was just joking about the sex thing. I'm not trying to rush you or anything. Sure. Just like a 17-year-old. I was kidding because it didn't work. Oh, yeah. That's where I have my note. I'm like, what fresh hell is this nightgown she's wearing? That was my note. <laughs> she wasn't expecting guests. She was, she was at home typing all night. That's what she was going to do. This is no. my typing outfit. <laughs> this is what I... This, I want to type comfortably. So that's what I'm wearing. Type, type, type. That's, that's what it was. Oh, I need to get me one of those for when I'm at work. You know? I am in my typing nightgown. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You'll see. You get so much more pr- productive that way. Man, what am I going to... Maybe I should invest in one for when I start my job. Right. I'll get like a Scrooge McDuck night hat as well. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. We cut to school. There are news vans everywhere reporting on Casey and Steve's murders. Steve is the boyfriend's name, by the way. And uh, so in this scene, we do briefly get to see Reagan herself. Linda Blair's in this scene. She's one of the news reporters. Oh, she's one of the news reporters? That I did yeah. not know. All right. Is that why they reference her movie? Maybe. I think that it was probably already in the script. And then they were just like, you know, it'd be fun. Let's see if Linda Blair's down for a cameo. Well, she's not really busy in 96. I mean, what has she done since The Exorcist? Other than like The Exorcist. <laughs> like she, she was in some of the sequels, I feel like. She's in the second one. Then she's in this movie called, I think, Hell Streets or something. This weird horror movie where like she like plays against type and like is the bad girl or something. Mean Streets. Is it Mean Streets? Is it as good as Death Spa? <laughs> I haven't watched it. I just got it. I just came across it the other recently, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay. So I don't know if it's good, well, but it can't be. It can't be better than Death Spa, a movie that sadly does not qualify for our podcast. If only. If only. But I highly recommend the movie about the haunted, malfunctioning hell spa that murders people because of an ex-girlfriend that's possessing her brother? Not really sure. A lot's going on. They had a lot of ideas and they used them all. It was great. (laughs) It's the best part about that movie. The only thing they didn't have was zombies. Like, it was just everything. I think there might have been. No, there was. Oh my God, there was. There was a zombie. There was a zombie. (laughs) Oh no. That zombie barracuda. Remember? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. And if you haven't seen Despa and you think we're making it up, we're not. Like, Oh, no. It's And there's more going on than what we're even saying. Please. If you have the time, watch and that then, movie. Oh, watch you that will movie. not regret it. I think I saw today that it's on Amazon in the States. I think today I was looking through Amazon to watch for something. I think I saw that it was on Amazon. Amazing. Yes. Let us oh, know Despa. what you think about Despa. <laughs> Okay, we get introduced to Courtney Cox's character within the scene, Gail Weathers, the news reporter. She is dressed like a fucking highlighter for her first few scenes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> the nice green ones, in case you're wondering which one. It's like greenish yellow. It's it's somewhere in between a green and a yellow highlighter. Yeah. I'm not really sure what is happening here. It's a very interesting suit, too. I noticed in a, a later scene that there's 
buttons down her spine. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. There's like metal silver buttons down her spine. Hmm, stylish. And we are also now introduced to Rose McGowan's character, Tatum. She is telling Sydney all about the very brutal murderer, and she is not keeping any details to herself. Tatum, this whole movie has like no filter, but she just says things right or wrong. Yep. She's just the friend with no filter. Or fucks to give about your feelings. Yeah, absolutely. She's just like, okay, I know like people have feelings and like emotions and you might react to what I'm saying, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm still going to say this. You sure your mom wasn't a terrible human being? <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure. She was kind of slut. <laughs> Anyways. No, she was an angel. Are you sure? I hear it so much. I have to believe something's going on. I know she's your mom and all, and she's only been dead a year, brutally murdered. But I feel like I should say this to you. It's been an entire year, okay? You should really get over the sudden, shocking, brutal murder of your mom, who you found. Exactly. Oh, it's been a whole year. What's wrong with you? You can't stop dwelling in the past. And the amount of times they say that to her in this movie is astonishing. Absolutely. To the point where she says it. I need to get on with my life. It's already been a year. I'm like, wow. The gaslighting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, every person she talks to is just like, let us gaslight you. You know those, those feelings and emotions that you're having that are completely and totally valid? Well, never mind. I don't think they are. Did I say valid? I meant invalid. I mean yeah. wrong. I mean, you're not really actually having them. That's what I mean to say. But uh, like, yeah. So now the police are interviewing all the different students. Sid comes into the principal's office to be interviewed and the principal kind of mentions before she comes in that, oh yeah, she's, you know, daughter. So already setting up that we're going to find out about Sid's mother's murder. Through the scene, we don't really learn that much except that we learn that Sydney knows Dewey. She's like, hey, Dewey. And he's like, not when I'm working. I'm deputy blah when I'm, I'm working, Sid. Duderson. What was it? Let's not going to look this up. Dewey Riley. He's, off, he's deputy Riley. Okay. So yeah, he's like, it's deputy Riley when I'm working, Sid. We don't really learn anything else in this scene, I don't think. I didn't write anything else out. No, I don't think it's that important. It's like, um, she goes away, then they cut to something. Uh, we cut to the fountain scene. So the fountain scene is Sydney and all of her friends are sitting on this fountain. So we see Billy again, her boyfriend. We see Tatum again, Rose McGowan's character. We then get introduced to Matt Lillard, who plays Stu. He is Tatum's boyfriend and Billy's friend. And then Randy, who seems to be like all of their kind of geeky whatever friend. Uh, he strikes me as Sydney's friend. Yeah, he seems more like Sid's friend than everyone else's, but... And they like, since he's your friend, fine, he'll hang out with us, because whatever, but that seems to be about it. Yeah, they all, like, are just like, Randy's Randy's a geek. Randy is played wonderfully by uh, Jamie Kennedy, by the way. Deserved a better fate, but whatever. He deserved a better fate, but we'll talk about that next episode. But we meet the best character of the entire movie in this scene, in my opinion, which is Matt Lillard, a.k.a. Stu. <laughs> he knows exactly the movie he's in. You know what he is? He's the one that mm -hmm. turned it up to 11. He absolutely is, and... Just just for the record, his part in the script was so underwritten. Kevin Williamson has said himself, he completely underwrote the character of Stu. He was just supposed to be like a stupid side character, like whatever. And then Matthew Lillard came in and he just ad-libbed a whole bunch of fucking crazy shit. And they're like, you're amazing. We're keeping this in. Yes. He kills his job. It's, I mean, He absolutely kills his job. Also, he was by chance casted in this. He was going to a different audition with his girlfriend. It was her audition. He was just tagging along. And in 
the same building, the casting director for Scream was there. And they're like, can you try out for this thing? Did you want to? And he's like, sure, I guess. I'm not doing anything, whatever. Yeah. And then as the casting director said, he like approached the role with like an incredible, vero- like ferocious, ferocious, ferocious yes. uh, attitude. They just knew he was Stu. He makes Stu likable. A character that's easily un- very unlikable. Just like Billy. You kind of yeah. like Stu. Even after mm-hmm. like he's found out to be one of the killers, Even you still kind of like him. He actually gets better after the real reveal, in my opinion. I wrote down all of his lines. I wrote them down from memory because I will just sit here and quote them at people. <laughs> I love I love him so much in his final scene. They're at the fountain. They're all sitting around. Stu and Tatum are kind of like arguing of the sex of the killer because he's saying that it had to be a guy. And she's like, well, that's sexist. It could have been a woman. Like, have you not seen... Sh- What's the Sharon Stone one? Was it Sharon Stone? Wait, what movie was she referring to? Basic Instinct. Yeah, she's like, haven't you seen that? And he's just like, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that That's not what's happening here. This is where then Randy is like, hey, didn't you uh, date Casey Stu? And starts accusing Stu of like, maybe it was him. So what we'll find out is that Randy actually calls both the killers in this film. And then later at the video store, he's like, I'm gonna call up Billy now. <laughs> Randy, you were too good for us. It's too good for this world. Taken too soon. We then cut to Sydney getting home on her yellow school bus because um, she can't afford a car. And she and then none of her friends have vehicles. Yeah, even though, but Billy talks about like, I felt like taking a ride later. So clearly he has a car. So why isn't her boyfriend driving her home? I guess she lives in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't want to waste gas. I don't know. Or driving ever because no one drives in this. Tatum technically drives. No, no, not even technically. She picks her up from the police station. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. Technically, so she drives. Tatum does have a car, but I think it's the parents' car because it looks like an like old station wagon kind of thing. But people that live in this neighborhood would not have these that bad of a vehicle. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> they spent all the money on the house, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they have nothing left for anything. Oh, yeah. So she calls Tatum and she asks her, like, can I come stay with you? Like, my dad's out of town. And I'm kind of creeped out with the murder and blah. Tatum's like, yeah, of course, no problem. I'll come by at seven and pick you up. She's like, great. She then uh, starts packing like her various things and she goes downstairs to the hall closet and she opens it up and immediately as she opens it up, ominous music plays. And you're like, huh, wonder what that could mean. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. She then walks over to her living room and turns on the TV, starts watching news, flipping between different news stations. Everyone's talking about the murder. And then she gets to Gail's station and Gail is relating this recent murder of Casey and Steve back to Sydney's mother's murder. And this is where we kind of find out a bit more about how Sydney's mother was raped and murdered a year ago. And it seems to be like right under a year. Because like it's like a year, a week from now, maybe? The movie takes place over yeah. a week, right? Something like that? Yeah, yeah a week, a couple of days. Because like, well, okay, so Billy gets arrested today, tonight, and then tomorrow mm-hmm. he's out already, and then they cancel school that day. So really, it's only a couple of days. Yeah, like maybe yeah, like three, four days, something like that. But anyways, Sydney ends up going and taking a nap on the couch. She wakes up later in the evening time, and Tatum has called her. She says that she's finally on her way now. She's just stopping by the movie store. What was the movie that she was saying she wants to get so you can see Tom Cruise's dick? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, not because that one wasn't out yet. It couldn't have been um the the Kubrick one. Um, Eyes Wide Shut wasn't out yet, right? I don't remember. The only one that makes sense to me is Eyes Wide Shut because everything else, unless it's like risky business or something, but I don't think the any, only I don't thing think I can think of is The Outsiders. Actually, I'm pretty sure you see 
oh, when yeah? he uh, yeah he comes out of the shower and then Rob Lowe like smacks him and he accidentally drops his towel for a second. So maybe he's it was the, the Outsiders. He's in the background of the scene. Might be the Outsiders, but I didn't. I feel like if I heard her say the Outsiders, I would have known that. I would have been like, yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> this movie does enough movie references to like. I stopped writing them down. Like I just couldn't. <laughs> there was too many references. They don't even all fit. Agreed. We'll, we'll get to some of the ones that don't fit later. Yeah. She hangs up with Tatum. She then the phone rings immediately again so she picks up the phone assumes it's Tatum but it's the ghost face voice so then she thinks it's ooh. Randy she's like ooh Randy I love this sexy thing you're doing to your voice making her boyfriend jealous there, there we go he asks what her favorite scary movie is she's like ugh I hate scary movies because they're so unrealistic it's always some big breasted girl running up the stairs when she should be running out the door yes Sid I love you you are right but you're about to do the same thing yes she's a badass but she she's not as per like today I saw hey you mess up a bunch Sydney at the end but still do better than most so you know you still get a pass still great finally the guy on the phone reveals that he's not Randy he says he's on her front porch and Sydney decides to go call his bluff yeah goes outside opens the porch nobody there and she's like can you see me right now he's like yeah I can see you and she's like okay what am I doing starts picking her nose <laughs> so she's like yeah called your bluff fuck you and so she's like I'm gonna hang up now and I will call the police if you keep on harassing me and he says if she hangs up He'll kill her just like he killed her mother. That hit a nerve. Absolutely. So at this point, she's like, fuck you. Goes and she locks Quick. the door behind her. And just then, Ghostface jumps out of the closet. <laughs> so the new theory to Jeff. But in this scene, this is Billy, right? I think so, yes. So, I mean, I don't think Billy was in the closet. I think it was only Stu. <laughs> Billy was physically in a closet. Stu was in the closet of his own making. <laughs> I think they were both in the closet at this point. Just one yes. more figuratively than the other one. So, pops out. They start fighting. He almost stabs her, but then she kicks him off. And then she goes to go out the front door, but she locked it. So she can't get the lock right away. So she runs up the stairs. At least she tried the front door. Yes. No, she didn't take it, but at least she tried. So she gets points, credit, something. Sid gets so many final girl points. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She is one of the classic epic final girls. She is. And she only gets better as like time goes on. She's just like, I know my fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's over it after the first one. After this movie, like the next yeah. one, like, oh, I'm over it. And the third when she's really over it. So I'm wondering what this new one, what she's going to be like in this new one. She's Rambo style, just like... <laughs> what if she's the killer? Like It's going to be her. She's going to be the killer in the new one. I'm sick of people trying to kill me. I'm just going to kill a bunch of people. I'm the one that's killing people now. That's, that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they get into this whole chase scene. She runs upstairs. She goes to her bedroom. She does the door gag, as I call it. So she double locks the door so he can't get in. Then she goes to try to call 911, but the phone's disconnect... Or no, the phone's off the hook and she dropped the phone downstairs so she can't. <laughs> call. So she pulls out her handy dandy computer that's super advanced and able to contact 911. <laughs> yes, so she calls 911 through her computer and then Billy comes through the window scaring her again. He hugs her and as he's hugging her, he drops his cell phone. Dun dun dun! But this is 1996, so dropping a cell phone doesn't mean the same thing as today. No. You're worried for the floor at that point. You're not worried about the phone at all. <laughs> Well, there's that, but also, like, no one had a fucking cell phone in high school in 96. And there is that. Even though his dad, in the minute, says, everybody has a cell phone. I'm like, no fucking they don't. No, they don't. They be here. Yeah, that's what they're spending all their money on, is their phone bills and their cell phones, and that's why they can't afford the cars. Ah, oh, it's all coming together. And fancy voice-changing modulated things. So... It's all there. I mean, that seemed pretty low tech when they uh, showed what it was. I don't even think that thing worked. The thing they showed. I know it kind of like half works as they use it. 
oh, this is not even good. What's going on? That wasn't doing it this whole movie. Yeah, it was definitely not. Well, I think you know this fact, but the voice actor that did the ghost face calls, what was his name? Randy Jackson or something? No, not Randy Jackson. But Roger Jackson. That was it. <laughs> from American Idol? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> What's your favorite, favorite scary movie, dog? <laughs> uh, Roger Jackson. So he's the voice. So they, the actors never met him. He would just be on the other line. And uh, he would use a cell phone to call their actual phones. And he would actually be live calling them. And at one point, the police contacted the crew because they were very concerned that there were a bunch of violent phone calls coming from this number. That part of it, I didn't know. I thought, if I remembered right, wasn't he like a holder voice? They were going to get like an actor yes. for the voice. And they just like ended up keeping him. Yeah, Wes was like, oh, he sounds so good. He's like intelligent and creepy. And he's he's the voice. It's done. So look at that. And he's done this and maybe other things. I have no idea. I mean, he's done this in American Idol, right? <laughs> Exactly. He he signs he signs up and coming artists. Does that mean we're gonna get um the oh what's the girl uh, Kelly Clarkson in the new one? Oh, no. I was gonna say Kelly Clarkson the winner like she actually won American Idol the first time. That's true. You know, I, I you know. watched it live. Ooh, I never was into it, but I just know her because I see her on TV. My mom watches her on on her talk show sometimes. Like, how does she have a talk show? Anyways, so back to this movie. He drops his cell phone, and this immediately alerts Sydney because she's like, "Why do you have a cell phone? Like, mm -mm -mm, that's not right." So she goes running downstairs. She opens the front door. The ghost face mask is right there at the front door. She screams. Dewey drops the mask and screams. Ah, uh, I feel safer when he's around. Oh yes, and he's like, "I found this outside." <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god." Dewey. So they arrest Billy. Then Tatum finally shows up. She takes Sid to the police station. At the police station, you know, they're talking about how they're trying to find Sid's dad. They haven't located him yet, but they're sure that they will soon. We see that Gail shows up to the police station. Oh, sorry. No, first Gail showed up uh, to the original scene. I forgot about that. That's uh, right. She showed up to Sydney's house and she was trying to ask Tatum and Sydney like questions about what happened. And she's like, I heard something about a costume. Is that true? And so like, this is the first they're hearing about the mask and the costume. And oh, sorry. When she gets out of her car as she pulls up to Sydney's house, she's like, Jesus, the camera. And the cameraman's just like, my name's not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I like burst out laughing. Perfect timing. Yeah. So yeah, Gail's a complete bitch to him. And then yeah, we're at the police station. Dewey says they're trying to find Sid's dad. We then see that there is police chief questioning Billy. Also, one of the police officers is the dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that was actually in the first scene really? when we saw the police back in the yeah. principal's office. John Saxon's in this movie somewhere? Is that who played the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street? That, uh, that's who played uh, Nancy's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nancy's dad is in that first police scene. Oh, that's weird, because him I would recognize, but I didn't see him anymore. And he, re yeah, he recently died, too. Oh. So yeah, the cop is asking why Billy has a cell phone, and his dad says that, like, everybody has a cell phone. Check his, like, bill. You'll see that he didn't make any of these calls. <laughs> you know, inquiring and whatever. And then Billy, like, stops talking to them, and he turns around all broodingly, and he glares through the window, and he's just glaring at Sydney. As an innocent person would do? That's not suspicious, Billy. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. That's, that's, that's the innocent man look. That's what it is. Based on that look, I have cleared you. You clearly aren't a murderer. We're good. 
What was I thinking? Gail shows up to the police station. She's outside the front door. They aren't letting anyone in. They're trying to detain the various reporters. And one of the police officers touches Gail's arm to like push her away from the door. And she's like, watch the hair. And I'm like, Gail, do you know where your hair is? Because <laughs> his hand was nowhere near where your hair is. Also, your hair isn't looking that great. So don't worry about it, hon. But anyway. Maybe it's trying to help you out. People are going to be more concerned about the fact that you're dressed like a highlighter than what your hair looks like right now. Because it's not the 80s anymore like it's 96 and like the neon green isn't really a good look anymore it is technically better than like the baby bangs that she gets was that three or was that two i think it was three where she has the bangs that are like the short i think it was three <laughs> oh dear tatum uh is treating dewey at the police station like the loser that he is <laughs> Because they're like, they're related, so they're brother and sister. Uh, he's like, you, what did mom tell you when I wear this badge? You treat me with respect. <laughs> I'm sorry, Officer Dewey boy, but we gotta go. Dewey is the older brother. That doesn't mean you can't roast him. I roast my brother all the time. He's like 15 years older than me. <laughs> Oh no! It didn't seem. It was more like not just roasting him, like more like picking on him, big big sibling style. Well, as the only child says, as the only child. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like uh, in, I think it was the fountain scene when like all of the characters were together talking. Just, just like, wait, isn't Dewey like Tatum's brother? Like, why didn't he pick up on like Stu used to date Casey and blah? And I'm like. Well, like, who knows their siblings' friends' dating history? And he's like, do you know your siblings' friends' dating history? And he's like, yes, all those siblings I have. <laughs> so many. So many, yes. I, I kept I kept copious notes of all their relationships. Time-consuming. Yeah, so she, she treats them with zero respect. And then Gail realizes that there's a back entrance, and she goes to check it out just as Sydney is exiting the back exit. So she starts trying to question Sydney, and Tatum's like, no, 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 no this and so he's like no no no, it's okay she's just doing her job and gail's like oh thanks sid you're on my side i'm like gail how fucking stupid are you 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 bought this okay let's go she's like yeah how's the book going gail and she's like oh it's, you know it's great i'm writing about your mom being murdered and how you're a fucking liar and yeah it's it's going great and she's like oh i'll have to check it out one day and gail's just like i'll send you a copy i have extras don't worry about it i'll take care of you you are a main character after all and then city's just like Boom! Roundhouse punch to the face. Very well earned, very good. And then the next scene is literally Tatum just like in bed going on about how amazing that was. With her PJs? With her PJs that are slightly more normal than Sydney's PJs. Because yeah, Sydney's again in like the long little girl nightshirt. Like the Wendy from Peter Pan nightshirt. And then uh, so the mom comes in and says that somebody's called for Sydney. And so she goes out and answers the phone and it's Ghostface on the phone. She's like, no, no! Does she say like it's her dad or something? Like or like Sydney thinks it's her dad? I think Sydney thought it was her dad, yeah. Tane was mom. I know where Dewey gets it from, because Tane was mom. The creepy voice is calling. Oh, it's yes, yeah, Sydney, of course. He's right here. Don't worry about it. I'll take care. I'll just hand you the phone. That's all right. Yeah, that sounds just like Neil Prescott. It must be her dad. <laughs> but yeah, so she's just like freaking out on the phone, like, no, no. And then uh the mom's calling for Dewey to come and check things out. He shows up once like Ghostface is already hung up and Sydney's like left as well comes in with his gun in the hallway and then he goes and he picks up the phone and like all broodingly he's like hello i'm waiting for dewey to shoot the phone <laughs> like open and shut case boss 
We got we got the culprit. It was his phone. We got him. Then we cut to the news the next morning. Uh, we get some more info about Sydney's mother's murder. We find out that Cotton Weary is on death row. He was accused by Sydney and she testified against him that she saw him leaving the night her mother was murdered. We then cut to school and Jeff pointed this out to me and I think it's absolutely true. Uh, Tatum's wearing this like cropped jersey and he's like, that's like the Johnny Depp Nightmare on Elm Street cropped jersey. And I'm like, yes, it is. Same number 10. Crop, yeah, because he wore, I think he showed more belly than, than Tatum does. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> like way more. So Sid sees that Gail is at school again. So she asks her to talk off the record. Gail is pretty much saying that she's convinced that Sydney wrongly accused Cotton uh, weary of murdering her mom, that the night of her mother's murder, Cotton was drunk and he had sex with her mom, but he left and she was still alive. Sydney says that she saw him leave with his coat that was later found and covered in blood. And Gail's like, no, you just saw someone leave with the coat. This is my thing. Sure. That is what ends up being what happened. But what's the likelihood the, a secret affair the daughter didn't know about, he happened to leave the jacket in the house that day, the same day the killers came over to kill her, get blood on it, leave with it where Sydney would see it, and then go to him to plant it in his car. Mm-hmm. Is that more likely than him just being the killer? But Gail makes it sound, I love how Gail's like, come on, this is so believable, it's airtight, how could you not think that he's innocent after this string of circumstantial evidence and yeah. this unlikely story? Come on. Exactly. I talked to him, he promises that it's true. He swears he didn't do it. I know he's on death row, but he swears he didn't do it. I believe him. Sydney, like, ends up kind of, she's just like, oh, you think the murders are related? Because, like, Sydney has alluded to this in some way or another. And then Gail gets all excited and Sydney runs away. And Gail's just like, an innocent man on death row? A killer still at large? I could save a man's life. Imagine what that will do for my book profits. My book deal's gonna go through the roof. Yeah. Oh, Gail. She knows where her priorities are. And that's where they are. And today there, consistently throughout the series. To think, if they'd have made it today, like, my podcast is going to get so many more listens now. Oh, guaranteed in stream five, she has a podcast. Oh, has to. We cut to inside the school hallway. There's some kids that are wearing, like, the ghost face masks and running around being fucking assholes. Sydney gets upset and she runs away. And then she runs straight into Billy. Billy says that he's obviously innocent. He's been let out of jail because of so. And then he's just like, Sydney says something about how she got a call from the killer last night. And he's like, yeah, I was in jail. It couldn't have been me. Because it wasn't. It was Randy Jackson. (laughs) It was Randy Jackson with Daughtry and um, Ruben Studdard. Billy says something along the lines of, I have a girlfriend who'd rather call me a cold blood killer than touch me oh boohoo as jeff has said like he's like is this gaslighting and i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> is this what this is because he spent the night in jail and all he says like man i know i look guilty but you won't touch me so that's what matters right here this that's what's that's what's relevant to what's going on right now is that ever since your mom was like murdered you just don't want to have sex what's wrong with you but she ne- she didn't want to before either apparently because according to Stu, she's virgin until later spoiler alert so it's not like they were getting it hot and heavy before i mean According to Billy's first scene, they were getting hot and heavy, but maybe they just hadn't gone all the way and then she got cold. Makes sense, considering what happened, even though it's been a year, apparently. As he's like being like, oh, you've been cold since that. He also compares his mother leaving him, like abandoning him to her mom dying or being murdered, rather. And she calls him on it, which is the best part. She's like, it's not even close to the same thing. He goes, yeah, I guess you're right. That might have been a wrong example, but still, you shouldn't you should need to get over it. Fuck you, Billy. <laughs> It's great. Sid says this line that's actually kind of repeated from Tatum just moments earlier. 
both of them say this line within this short period of, is your brain leaking? Never heard that before or since, but both of them use that phrase to their boyfriends. Well, they are friends, so maybe they got it from each other. I just, it's such a weird turn of phrase, but okay. It is. Is your brain leaking? I'm going to bring that back and I'm going to bring back what's your damage. That's my plan. I, I can see what's, what's your damage working. Is your brain leaking? Then maybe not so much. Fair enough. I can I can accept that. I'll at least achieve one or of them. Well, I remember people used to say that because people used to say that. Like, I've heard, that's a phrase I've heard. Now, mm-hmm. is your brain leaking? Just sounds like a medical condition. Just like, it actually sounds <laughs> like I should be concerned. Like, is your brain leaking? Do you need to go to the doctor? Is it okay? Like, are you fine? Is it water on the knee? Operation. <laughs> wow. Memories. All right. <laughs> yeah, you knew I had to sing at some point in this episode. <laughs> you had to bring it back. Had to bring it back. Not the pop punk I was expecting, but still, you know, we got, we got a song in there. <laughs> Did I tell you? What was that? So, uh, in the time that we've been away, my mm-hmm. best friend here in town, she had, she's given birth to two beautiful oh, young yes. boys, uh, and I babysit them quite often. And my way of soothing them is to sing them various emo songs. <laughs> That's great. And so, like, their dad just called me out on it the other day because he came home, and I'm just, like, rocking his kid back and forth. And he's like, are you singing Yellow Card to them? And I'm like, yes, it soothes them. And he's like, oh, Oh, no. What are you doing to my children? We're going to start our own screamo band. They're going to be the screamers. (laughs) Nice. That'll work. They're getting good practice, so it's fine. It's all right. You're right. Exactly. (laughs) So, the Fonz, who is the principal... Yep. Is then terrorizing the pranksters that were wearing masks. He has like these really sharp scissors and he like cuts the mask and like he keeps on pointing the scissors at them and they like use that sound effect for like withdrawing a sword. Like constantly he's like, choo, choo, choo. this is are like comically huge. Well, maybe not comically huge, but oversized for sure. Yeah, they're like sewing shears. They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut to Sydney. She's in the bathroom and she overhears two girls talking about her. She goes and hides in a stall. And listens over, as they say that she's clearly a liar. Maybe she's uh, actually the killer and she killed Casey. The girl goes through like this whole speech of like, oh, and she decided that, you know, murder was out this year. Blah, 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 blah. No, suicide was out this year and murder's in now. Murder's a thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Because all those famous suicides, you know, she could really get fame from killing herself. I, I'm, hey, the logic leap. Famous suicide just happened like only a few years before this. So maybe Nirvana was a big, a pretty yeah. big deal. People were getting obsessed with Kirk Cobain, that sort of thing. And then at the height of his fame, he was like, fuck this. Yeah, shotgun. That or, you know, if you, if you watch Soaked in Bleach, perhaps it was Courtney. Dun, dun, dun. Very interesting movie. Highly recommend. Anyways. And then they leave before she even washes. Like she just went to the bathroom does not wash her hands does not care about covid it's just like peace (laughs) no she just left the stall she sucks on her finger then does not wash her hands and then walks out of the bathroom I saw a meme the other day and I showed it to Raj and I'm like, I need to start doing this. And it was just like boss saying, um, people are complaining that you keep singing in the bathroom. And then like me. Yeah. They say that like you need to sing for like 25 seconds or whatever while you wash your hands. And he's like, oh, okay. Do you have to sing so loudly though? And they're like, well, what other way do you sing? And they're like, and do you have to be singing closer from Nine Inch Nails like the chorus? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is what I need to start doing. That's it. Just time it, make sure, and then just go for it. Just screaming about how I want to fuck you like an animal. It'll get people's attention. Okay. Yeah. So Sydney's now still in the bathroom and she's hearing some weird noises. And then Jeff brought up a very valid point here. 
All right, so it's the killer. He's in one of the stalls standing on the toilet. So you can't see his feet under the stalls. He's been standing there all day waiting for the off chance that Sydney would have to go to the bathroom. And it's a school. So happened to go to that bathroom at this exact point and knew she was there because she didn't say anything when he started making noises. Exactly. Makes zero sense. I think it. he was making random noises whenever anybody showed up. And if they would say hello, he recognized the voice and then he'd come out of the stall. Mm, that, that's quite an elaborate plan. <laughs> Do you it think is. that was Bill or Stu in this case? I, I believe it to be Stu. I, don't, I can't see Billy okay. doing that one. I, I, I yeah. see him telling Stu, Stu, you, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to this bathroom and stay there all day. Yeah. Until Sydney like, goes there. But I got an exam in Spanish. No, you're skipping it. Stay in the bathroom. Did you hear what I said? I said, you're going to go into that bathroom. You're going to stand on that toilet all day. Yeah. Okay. So that's all giant fucking plot hole, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But furthermore, Sydney runs out of the bathroom and just runs down the stairs and doesn't tell anyone that she was just attacked again. The best part about it is nothing comes of this attack. Like nothing even happens. She gets away and then they cancel school. Yeah, exactly. Like, the end. Yeah, because from there, we like cut to Sydney running out of the bathroom, runs down the stairs. Then we cut to Gail and Dewey like flirting with each other because Gail's trying to like get information from him. And then as they're talking, the Fonz comes over the loudspeaker and he cancels school. And then he reminds everyone that there's now a city curfew at 9 p.m. That's it. Nobody cares that Ghostface is at school attacking people. No. Dewey doesn't rush in to try to look for him. Nothing. They have police on campus, but no, we're not going to ask them to come and check this out. It's it's cool. At least it would have made sense if they had said, oh, all these damn kids playing around as Ghostface. Girl, I'm, I'm mad about it. You know, something. At least that would have been something. Yeah, nothing comes of it. Except that school gets canceled and Stu comes and he thanks Sid and Tatum. and He gives them flowers for getting school canceled. <laughs> so until further notice. <laughs> yeah. And he tells them that he's going to be having a party at his place tonight. All right, I just thought of something. As of right now, no, Sydney is being hunted down by a killer. To the point where school is canceled and there is a citywide curse few for everybody and mm-hmm. yet sydney has no police protection yeah there's one police officer who just like casually tells Dewey, like yeah you know maybe keep an eye on Sid. you know i know she's going to this wild party with a bunch of kids so maybe just like which is the other thing dewey drives them to the motherfucking party <laughs> he's just like yeah here's all these kids who are uh, not paying attention to this curfew and i'm just that's cool yeah this is the latest scene where like he bought him beer so yeah it was just <laughs> He just went into the evidence locker a la 21 Jump Street movie and he grabbed a bunch of weed for them. <laughs> exactly. Got some weed and beer for him. You know, and then if I notice, not one smoker of anything in this party. No cigarettes, no weed, no nothing. A bunch of beer. Yes. We nothing will discuss else. that. We will yeah, we will get to that. Yes. The Fonz cancel school. Stu thanks them having a party. Uh, then we get the Fonz's death scene. Do you want to go over the Fonz's death scene? The Fonz is great. Um, I love the Fonz. Rest in peace. But like, he hears a noise and then acts like he was heard a murder. It's great because he's like, hello, who's there? Nothing's there. He goes back into his office, scares himself <laughs> in, his, in his reflection. Here's another noise, goes back out in the hallway, cursing these kids out because they're playing with him, which obviously is what I would think too. But then he's just like skulking around his office. Skulking around like the like where the, all the secretaries are, like in the front office of the school or whatever, runs into Wes Craven, dresses Freddy Krueger, mopping just like Freddy, just like in the in Holland Nightmare on Elm Street, like pretty much exactly the same with the bucket down the hallway, goes back to his office, and even his name is Fred. He's like, I'm not talking to you, Fred. <laughs> He's like, oh. he goes, nom, nom, nom. and then he leaves. 
goes back into his office, looks everywhere besides where he should, goes to the closet, takes his sweet time opening the closet door. Nothing is in the closet. Moves his Fonzie jacket out the way to look at the back of the closet. <laughs> Nothing is in the back of the closet. Then he relaxes, closes the front, closes the door of his office, and there's Ghostface right there behind the office door. Did you notice that Ghostface was like, pulls his arms down as yep. he's revealed? So like, yep. it's like this beautiful... <laughs> he does like a dance. He goes, ah! And then he stabs him a couple times. He's just stretching this little scene out. A scene that if it happened to anybody in real life, heard a noise, hmm, nobody's here. Oh, well. And they go back to my office and it doesn't work. And then uh, they have that really cool shot of you see Ghostface's mask in the Fonz's eye as he's dying. As I was reading my fun facts today, apparently that took them two hours to shoot because they did not use CGI for that. That's dedication to the cause right there. I tell you, that is... Ugh. Some real dedication. Okay. We then cut to Sydney and Tatum. I think they're at Sydney's house and they're just like discussing the whole who could be the murderer, blah. Tatum's like, well, you know, your mom was kind of promiscuous and whatever. So like maybe she was having an affair with Cotton, blah, blah, blah. And Sid says that Cotton couldn't prove the affair because Gail made it up. My mom was a saint or something like that. Yeah. She's like, my mom was amazing. She wasn't like that at all. And Tatum's like, ah! about that and she's just like you know you keep hearing stories about her and like just like Richard Gere and the gerbil you can only hear it so many times before you believe it is that a reference people would get today is my is what I wonder I guess kids would not get it no 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 yeah like but that was a thing It was a big deal, but in the 90s, 20 years ago. I was a baby in the 90s, and yet I know about this. Like, because I was real, I was little, I'm old, I was young, I was maybe like in junior high or something when I first heard of it. I think there's like a South Park episode that talks about it. I remember, vaguely remember a gerbil thing in a South Park episode, but there are so many episodes, and I fell off of watching them a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I think the last one I watched was uh, Making Fun of the Tiger Woods Affair, where they have a video game. <laughs> where you get to play his wife with the golf clubs. It's like, I should have never married you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I watched the new one, like the, the new co- the COVID one. I watched that one. I realized why I stopped watching it. I could, they haven't changed what they do in all this time, but why would oh, they? Oh, wait. They had the Game of Thrones one, which was really great, too, with the Wiener song. So, it's that one I haven't even heard of. <laughs> oh, my God. They have this whole song, and it's like the theme song, but it's just talking about how there's so much dick in the show. They're just like, Wiener, Wiener, Wiener. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I remember I watched those. And then in college, one night when we were walking home from class, not class, sorry, we used to have to like stay after class for hours. And like, so it was like one o'clock in the morning, we're walking home. And it's me and this two other guys. And we're just singing that in the street as we're walking home. Yeah, like nobody will bother you. Like, oh, I'm like, hmm, these people are crazy. We're just gonna leave them be. We're just gonna leave them yeah. be. <laughs> Uh, okay. I've lost myself with this wiener song. Um, where are we? Oh, Richard Gere and Gerbils, right? Yes, Richard Gere and the Gerbils, yes. Uh, oh. uh, but yes, so like Sid's saying something and it sounds like the plot to a scary movie or whatever. And this is where Tatum tells her like, stop. It sounds like you're like saying the plot of a Wes Carpenter movie or something like that. Oh boy. Which I, which I really appreciate. <laughs> like the bastardization of horror directors. Like, I like the references in this movie, but I think they just go like a little bit too far. It's too much. Yeah, they could have dialed it back a little bit and it would have been fine. Every single scene they have to mention a different movie or director or pop culture reference. 
gets a little much. Then when poor Randy shows up, it's like, oh, if somebody had one reference, Randy has like seven. Yeah, well, that's he shows up right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're at the video store and he's just like, let me hit you with the references. Well, as he's going on about his movie knowledge, he also ends up being like, Billy has to be the killer. And like, if you were accused of such things, would you really be standing in the horror aisle? And like, Billy's just like giving candy to children in the horror <laughs> aisle. <laughs> looking, still looking like a lunatic, though. He at no point in this movie looks like he might be innocent ever. It was this scene in particular. I don't know if it was the lighting, if, if they were doing more close ups all of a sudden, but I was just like, every single one of these people looks like they are almost 30. Like, what? <laughs> they are not teenagers. They have not cast people that are way too old for the role since Greece, <laughs> like, where they had the 40-year-olds playing yeah. the teenagers. And I think Nev Campbell's the closest one to, a, to passing <laughs> for teenage. I would agree. But that's basically it. Skeet looks like 30. Absolutely. So does Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy looks old. But Jamie Kennedy might have was- been about 30. So he might have been... He, he probably was. They just got him because he's just good. Like, all right, he's just good at this, so whatever. But Matthew Little looks too old, but not. He could be in college. Yeah, he looks like he's in college. He might have got left back a couple times, and you would buy it. I mean, I would buy it for Stu, but <laughs> exactly that's what I'm saying. Stu got left back a couple times. You'd be like, I could see it. Well, also talking to Stu, Randy wonders if Sid would go out with him since Billy is a murderer. <laughs> this, this is his chance. Yeah, this could be my chance. And then Stu yeah. accuses Sidney's dad, so he's already like trying to plant that seed. Like, why is he missing? Why can't nobody find him? Because he's. T- up in your basement. That's why nobody can find them. Then Randy starts freaking out about movie formulas and how this fits into the formula and therefore this is going to come next or whatever. He goes over the top with it. Because this is where he mentions, it's just like Prom Night. It's nothing like Prom Night. They mentioned a couple yeah. movies. I was like, I'm like, have you seen Prom Night? Because I'm sure Jamie Kennedy probably hasn't. Or he, <laughs> or Kevin Williamson probably doesn't. I don't think he saw Prom Night when he just referenced it. I just, he looked up Jamie Lee Curtis horror movies because he liked Halloween and mentioned them all. <laughs> Made sure to mention them all in the movie and that was it. Yeah, there's a lot of references that it's like, this doesn't make sense, but okay. Then we see like this whole establishing shots of the town closing down because there's a curfew or whatever. Dewey drives Tatum and Sydney over to like the grocery store to get stuff for the party. Sid makes a comment about how the town looks like the town that dreaded sundown or whatever that movie was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Instead of saying this place is like a ghost town with something somebody would actually say instead of an obscure horror movie that seven people have watched. But I mean, well, it's a popular horror movie but it's old as hell they did a remake in the 2000s which i've seen both of them but like that town they actually do viewings every single year (laughs) well that makes sense it's about their town yeah but like how morbid is that because it's about their town and like murders that actually happen there (laughs) and then also because they had to glamorize it because it's a movie so they made the kills so fucking ridiculous such as there's this one kill where they have a knife attached to a trombone slide and he's like playing the trombone and stabbing the <laughs> Hey, like, whoever came up with that one, creativity points. I'll give, you, I'll give you credit. Oh man, just makes no sense, but okay. So Sid is talking to Tatum as they're grocery shopping and she's like, you know, Billy's right. I, I am cold to his touch and like he's so amazing for not pushing the sex thing more. And I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> what are you doing? They've been guessing her the whole time so like she's like the guest thing is actually working now yeah also she's so fucking young she doesn't need to be having sex if she's still a virgin <laughs> even if your mom hadn't died you're perfectly fine to stay a virgin in high school <laughs> 
See, not ready and not ready, but her being extra not ready makes uh, makes a lot more sense than her being, you know what? I need to get over this. Yeah, my mother was raped and murdered. Not into the sex. Sorry. Somehow, don't want to do it. Don't, can't put my finger as to why. Just not for me right now. And then she's like, no, you need to get over it. Come on. It's been a whole year, Sydney. Come on. It's been a year. How long are you going to be like this? Absolutely ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous as the fact that we see that ghost face is in the grocery store, but nobody sees him or pays attention to him. No one. Not a stock boy. Not somebody else shopping for supplies. Not another kid trying to get tips for the party and beer or whatever. No. Nothing. No one sees him. No, he's just doing his own grocery shopping. Exactly. He has a knife sharpening kit, maybe. Um, yeah, he's just getting a bunch of like garbage bags, some duct tape, some rope. <laughs> you know, all the, all the basics. So... We cut to a scene of the police chief is talking to Dewey and they're pretty much just saying that like, yeah, they think it's Sydney's dad because they can't locate him, whatever. He tells Dewey to, you know, keep an eye on Sid. We don't need to assign a police detail. We don't have to make sure that she's safe. Just if you feel like it tonight, if you didn't, if you're not doing anything else. If you're not too busy at that party on your date with Gail, if you're not too busy, just keep an eye on her a little bit. Make sure she's kind of okay. Yeah. If you're not too busy taking romantic walks of murder scenes with Gail, you know, maybe check them out. Sure. An eye towards Sydney every so often. So Dewey drives them to the party, as I said, which I'm just like, are you not a police officer who's supposed to be enforcing the curfew? I'm guessing no now at this point. Who knows? They go inside to the party and Stu is wearing like a Hugh Hefner smoking jacket, which I really appreciated. The thing is his party. He's playing it up. He's playing the part. Yeah. He's just like, yes, I have my brandy. I have my jacket. Like, he just needed a pipe and just been perfect. <laughs> but as we said, this is a no smoking party. No one's allowed to smoke anything, apparently. Yeah, nobody smokes at all in this party, which is no very surprising. So Gail and Kenny, they pull up in their truck. Dewey knocks on Gail's like, van door and asks him to join her for a sweep of the party. And Gail brings like a small camera that she plans on planting inside the party. Very inconspicuous. Not really. Stu tells Tatum to go get him a beer. When the doorbell rings, then he lets in Gail and Dewey. Gail hides the camera on top of the VCR by the TV. Meanwhile, we cut to Tatum. She's in the garage. She leaves the house door open as she walks in. And then the door kind of closes on its own. And then a bunch of items get knocked over. We see that there's a cat in the garage that knocked it over. And it runs out a pet door that's in the rolling garage door. So the door is locked. And she starts, like, knocking on it. No one's answering. So she decides to open the rolling garage door and go out that way. But as she walks towards it, it stops opening and starts closing. She's like, fuck. And then when she turns around, guess who's there? It's the Ghostface killer. Randy Jackson. Oh. Randy Jackson. No, he doesn't speak. So we don't know it's not him. Oh, right. He's busy. He's busy with Daughtry right now. Or, yeah, I, need, I, need a new, I need another winner. Clay Aiken. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Clay Aiken didn't win. He lost to well, Ruben Stutter. Well, neither did Daughtry, but um, yeah. <laughs> Just, he, he, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood. There we go. Carrie Underwood. There it is. Uh, yeah, Carrie Underwood. She won? All right. Good for her. Didn't she? I think <laughs> I have no idea. I, I've found out in that show, the losers have done better than the winners. Besides mm-hmm. Clay Clarkson, like, Pretty have much. had better careers than, like, the losers, than the winners out. Now, where was I? Uh, she turns around and sees Randy Jackson in a gold face mask. And the sparkliest, the sparkliest of costumes this time. It's shimmery. Very shimmery in the scene, but 
It's just the polyester. So I work for the Haunted Block. We wear stupid cloaks. <laughs> well, they aren't stupid. I, I enjoy them as do everyone who works for the Haunted Block. But we have cloaks that we have to wear while we give our tours. And some of them are high quality. Some of them are like Halloween cheap polyester cloaks. And I can attest that those ones kind of sparkle in the right light. Oh, no. This one looks like it had glitter. It's it stuck out. I've never noticed it before tonight. And I'm like, oh, it's very sparkly. And then he goes to get her. She drops a couple beers. She runs around the the garage a bit. Then she does a great job of throwing full beers at him, breaking bottles over him, which would have one of them hit him in the head, which would have knocked him the hell out. One hit him in the head, one hit him in the crotch. He would have been out for the count. Easy. And then he gets up, shakes it off. You know, he has killer strength now. She has the bright idea and the bestest of ideas. I'm going to dive out the, I'm going to call it a doggy door, but the kitty door, I guess. I'm like, you can't fit through there. I know you're tiny, but you can't fit through there. So, true story, Rose McGowan could fit through it. Okay. And in fact, she was so thin that she kept falling out of it. So they had to nail her shirt to the door so that she would stay put. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Why he's like, I'm like, I'm watching her trying to get through. I'm like, why do you have your arm there? It's making it harder for you to get out. Like, if you did this, you would probably get out through it maybe squeak through and i think those things have like a safety mechanism that if somebody was stuck in it it wouldn't move yeah like a certain weight because like if you're holding on to it or something like that it doesn't go up also i mean nowadays they all have like a sensor that they wouldn't go down and like crush you i'm forgiving if the sensor because it's night it's the 90s so fine mm-hmm. but i thought this little like five horsepower motor thing was built to carry even though she's thin grown woman and almost like elevated decapitator or something it's basically because she doesn't get stabbed but she gets killed by the door yeah like her head gets like crushed and it's so obviously like a fake head like it just like deflates <laughs> just like I'm all right and my comment to jackie at this time was hold on every party i've ever been to in my life there's mm-hmm. always a group of people outside drinking and bullshit every single party smoking smoking yes that's what smokers would be or just people mm-hmm. just hanging out outside just because it was a full party a bunch of people there's gonna be people outside but apparently they're in the servants entrance and people don't hang out there also because like the next scene that they cut straight to is sydney like at the front door and a bunch of people are exiting the house yep so is this garage not at the front of the house no it's in the bottom of the hill apparently this is where the Batmobile comes out of. This is like the Batcave entrance <laughs> to the house. No one knows where this is. Just a boat there, I think. That we find later. Yeah, which I have comments about the boat. Anyways, okay, so Tatum's dead. R.I.P. Oh, she, much like Sydney, actually thought it was Randy at first. Everybody just thinks that Randy is playing pranks on them because he's movie obsessed. When I first watched it, he's one of the few people I knew it wasn't. I'm like, it's not Randy. Yeah. I remember when I first watched it, I really had a big thing that I thought it was going to be like the, I thought it was the sheriff uh, for a bunch of the movie <laughs> for no reason. Something about the boots. I'm like, it's the sheriff. Well, yeah, because he's wearing the same boots as the killer as like a red herring. Yeah. So that one, re- that one really, I stuck onto that one for whatever reason when I first watched it. So yeah, as I said, people are leaving the party. Sydney's calling for Tatum and then Billy shows up and Stu sends both Billy and Sid to his parents' room so that they can have a talk. We then get Gail headed back to her van and she checks in with Kenny and we establish here that there is a delay on the video feed that she has set up. There's about a 30 second delay. Yeah, so however long it takes for her to get to the front door of the house to the van is pretty much guesstimating it at about 30 seconds. Sid and Billy are in Stu's bedroom and as Jeff says, they're on a comically small bed. Like it's like maybe a double bed. Yeah, it's like maybe a full. It's very tiny and then also they have mismatched nightstands. Which bothered me, which I don't understand. They come in a set. Like, they come too. Uh, not always. Sometimes you have to buy them individually, but... 
these people are loaded. Yeah, like, you look at the rest of the fucking, they have stained glass windows on this thing, and they're like, mm, no, we, we can't afford a queen or larger bed, and we definitely can't afford matching side tables. Let us just drive around this neighborhood. I'm sure someone's trying to get rid of some furniture. We'll pick it up. And, like, one looked like a night table, and the other one was just, like, a table. They blew all their budget on the corn syrup with red dye. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't have enough money for set dressing. No one has a nice car. Like, only thing that's nice in this place is the houses. And the houses now are out of place. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. you just, they should live in a worse neighborhood. Through my research, I found out that Stu's house at the end, it was built by this couple, this elderly couple as their dream home and they passed away and then their kids didn't want the house but they didn't feel right about selling the house so they started renting it out to random movies. Yeah, and it's now an Airbnb. You can stay in Stu's house. How much does it cost to stay in Stu's house? Next Patreon level? Oh no, you would have loved it because for Halloween this year or last year, I guess, it was five bucks for the night. Why would why why could I not leave Canada? Damn it! Like, all the articles I read, would you stay at the Stewie house for the Stewie? The Stew house from screen for five dollars? Like, yeah. Like it's one it's not a haunted it's not house. Haunted? Movie. Yeah. It's not haunted? It's like a miracle or whatever. Like, I would just reenact all of Stew's last scene. Like that's just what I would do. There would be other guests there. They would be like, please shut the fuck up. And I'm like, you hit me with a phone, you dick. <laughs> But it's currently on Airbnb. I don't know what it costs now, but it's worth it. It's worth it. We're, we're, yeah, I would say it's worth it. Okay, so we'll go to Vegas, and then we'll drive over to California. On the way back, we'll just spend the night. If I have a feeling it's going to be North California, because of all the mountains I and whatnot. Know. I have a feeling. <laughs> but still, we'll, we'll find a way. You know, we'll rent a car or whatever. We'll just go up. We'll record. Yeah. Imagine us recording an episode in Stu's house. It'd be great. A fucking dream, man. Fucking dream. <laughs> Come on, guys. You can do it for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Saw escape room in Stu's house for Scream. E-transfer us at a series of horrors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they're sitting on this super small bed. Basically, Sid starts like saying like, yeah, you know, like I have been taking too long to get over my mother's death and I shouldn't be as frigid as I am and like law you're completely right Billy somehow this all worked his master plan was his work of gaslighting her for a year yeah and she admits that like oh yeah maybe my mom was you know a little too friendly <laughs> I'm wondering what the relation was like before the murder of his mom like was, she, was he like gaslighting her back then or did it just start or did he get with her originally because of the murder plan I think it's implied that they were together before the murder because for her murder they had this hot and heavy relationship then the murder. Yeah, before the murder, but was it after Billy's mom had the left her? Yeah. I was going to say, crazy runs on the family as we find out in the next movie, so. Yes. Where are we? Oh, Billy's like referencing Silence of the Lambs to her. Bad reference. Yeah, and then she's just like, but this isn't a movie, this is real life. And if I remember Silence of the Lambs right, I haven't seen it in a while. She doesn't have memories of, well, she does have memories of her dad, but she really is not, her real nightmare is like, is about the lamb that she tried to yeah. save that, that she didn't want to have murdered. Yeah. When she's staying with yeah. her uncle from right so like even his reference is off mr movie fan yeah all their references are off it's just and then billy's like but life is a movie and you get to pick your genre they start kissing and sydney says that she'd like to be in a meg ryan movie or maybe a good porno and he goes what he goes i'm serious and then it's sexy time for sydney and billy yeah so yeah my as i said to jeff i'll make Usually my notes are really elaborate. It's like, this person's here, and they say this thing, and da-na-na-na-na. This note is just, they fuck. 
They thought, period. Because we're all unhappy that this is happening. I'm like, uh, Sydney, you should know better. Yeah. Them being intimate is intercut with scenes of the rest of the party watching Halloween and like they get to see a girl's tits and like whatever. And then Randy decides to go over the rules in horror movies because he's like, you never see Jamie Lee's tits because she's the virgin and that's how she's the final girl. Like she's never had sex in any movie. I'm like, I think in Terror Train she was. True Lies? Well, that's, I was just trying to keep it on horror movies. Movies. Okay. But I think in Terror Train, I think she was more open. I think she went she went against type after Halloween to like break that stereotype, right, though, if I remember right. But I haven't seen Terror Train, so I don't know. And she didn't seem like that in um Prom Night. Let me talk about it in Prom Night. Reflecting upon viewing of Jamie Lee Curtis movies, I realized I've seen her in Halloween and the various Halloween sequels that she showed up in. My Girl, My Girl 2, Freaky Friday. <laughs> okay, she was in that. No. Never saw tr- Trading Places? No? Didn't see her in that? Oh, uh, A Fish Called Wanda. Love that, that one. That one I haven't seen. Oh, so good. Fine. I'll watch Trading Places. You watch A Fish Called Wanda. Well, they're both comedies as far as I know. I think A Fish Called Wanda is a comedy, yes. right? Yes. It's so it's Mon- it's Monty Python-ish. It's, uh, John Cleese Ugh. is in it. All right. Well, I'll watch that. We'll have a movie now. I'll watch that. We'll watch that one first. <laughs> <laughs> Fish called Wanda first. It's so good. Kevin Costner and John Cleese and wait, what's the other one? What's another Monty Python guy, but I can't think of his name right now. Michael something? Anyways, Randy with his rules. Rule number one, never have sex. And we do not talk about Fight Club. No way. <laughs> wrong, wrong franchise, wrong movie, wrong everything. <laughs> I heard the wrong everything. All right, all right. <laughs> okay, rule number two, never drink or do drugs. At this point, everyone in the party cheers at each other and continues to drink. <laughs> drink, yeah. Three, never, ever, ever, no matter what, say, I'll be right back because you won't be. And at this still, Stu goes, does anyone else need a beer? They're like, yeah, 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 go get me one. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. (laughs) He sells it so perfectly the way he says it. It's just... Matthew Lillard is a national treasure and I don't know why he's not in more. (laughs) So we're back at the camera van. Dewey gets Gail to join him to check out a call he got about a car that's in the bushes. They decide to go on a nice romantic walk. Romantic hike to do this. Yeah, they do walk quite a distance. Um, Yeah, which makes me wonder, who would have called in about this car where it was? It was like in a ditch, very much off the road. In the middle of the woods. Yeah, I really don't know unless, like, for some reason they wanted Dewey to know about... Oh, no, they needed the police to find the car because they had to oh, find yeah. out that it was the father. So maybe Stu and Billy tipped off the police. That makes sense because I'm like, where this car was, nobody would have seen this. We already established there's no neighbors. And I don't know how there's a town when there are, when nobody has a neighbor. Nobody lives next to each other. I don't, I don't get it. Everybody's a commuter, but they don't have a car. No. Or they don't have nice cars. They have all these beater up cars is all that anybody has. These run down old vehicles somehow. So I'm just because people are leaving the house again. And I'm like, my note again of just like nobody notices Tatum just hanging out there. Okay. How big is this house? You can't see the garage. Where is this garage? Doesn't make any sense. But uh, Randy gets a phone call and we find out that the Fonz is dead. He's hanging from a goalpost and like all the kids are like, yeah, let's go check it out. Let's get there before they cut him down. Reflecting upon my high school years, reflecting on how much we motherfucking hated our principal. Like our principal was the worst. I think I've told you stories. Um, But yet, if someone was like, she's been killed and is hanging from the goalpost, I would not be like, let's run out and see that shit. Before they cut it down, let's go right now, right here, right now. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> so the kids almost run over Dewey and Gail with their car, and this makes Dewey and Gail 
fall down a hill. Dewey falls on top of Gale. They kiss. And then Gale sees the car and they realize that it's Sydney's father's car. And it looks like a beat up old Subaru station wagon. Yeah. So they run back to the house. Sid and Billy are getting dressed. And she asked him who he called with his one phone call from jail. He says he called his dad. And Sid says, well, no, the sheriff called your dad. I watched him do it. And Billy's like, yeah, he didn't answer when I called. And Sid's like, okay, that's fucking suspicious. And he's like, you don't think I did it still, do you? And she's just like, no, I just thought, wouldn't that have been smart if you had used your one phone call to convince me that you're not the killer? The thing is, he didn't make the phone call. He called Stu. Yeah, but Stu did it. And there's a voice changer he wouldn't have been able to use in jail. So she's like, this whole line of questioning is just off on um. Sydney's part, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to, like, prove to you that it's not Billy in the scene. And then, like, because Ghostface comes up behind him, they're like, see, it wasn't him. We tricked you. And it's like, okay, sure. Because yeah, I've, no- I've seen this movie 20 years. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I know it's two killers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ghostface comes up behind him and stabs Billy. And then Ghostface starts chasing Sydney through the house. She, like, clocks him with the door at one point, which I laughed out loud at. <laughs> so she locks herself in one room. She ends up opening up one of the windows and jumping out of it. She lands in a boat, like, on her back. And I'm just, that wouldn't, no, that would be so painful. She would not have gotten out of the boat. She would like she would have been in pain. Uh-uh. Probably more likely would have broke something. She would have broken something for sure. And nope, it's just like played like, oh yeah, you know, boats. They're just like big pillows. Come on, they're like cars in the Fast and Furious universe. You know, they're just big mats. You just like land on and nothing could happen. Oh, so yeah, she falls on the boat and then she sees Tatum hanging from the garage door. She's the only one who pays attention to that, apparently. We then cut to a scene of Jamie Kennedy, Randy, on the couch and he's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis and he's like, Jamie, watch out, look behind you, look behind you, the killer's behind you, as Ghostface comes up on Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> like, turn around, turn around. Uh, yeah, come on, Jamie, do it. <laughs> it's just like funny because they're both Jamie. But then Sid runs to the van and she sees Ghostface on Kenny's television screen and then Kenny jumps out of the van and then he like, sees the front door is open. He's like, oh shit, the delay. And then Ghostface like pops out of nowhere. It's like slits his throat. Sid escapes through the van and like then runs away and Ghostface is like in the van being like, no! <laughs> I'm too big to fit through this hole. Girl. You even do like a like a oh shucks. He bangs the bomb like, damn it, these darn kids got away. <laughs> Cut back to Gail and Dewey. They're back at Stu's house by this point and Dewey asks if there's a phone in the van and tells Gail to go and call 911 while he goes and checks on the house. Gail arrives at the van. She can't find Kenny, but then she sees a pool of blood outside of the door. She gets into the van. She tries to phone 911 and Randy pops up in the window and she beats Randy in the head with the phone and then just like doesn't talk to the 911 operator. Nope. She doesn't try to call after that. She's like, she's just doing donuts. No, and it's not like she dropped the phone outside of the car. She drops the phone inside the car and then turns on the ignition and sees that the whole windshield is covered in blood and she starts doing the windshield wipers and then starts driving and Kenny's body like falls onto the windshield. She's like, ah! Kenny, I'm sorry that you're dead, but get the fuck off my windshield! I can forgive her this time for that. (laughs) Oh, man. But then Sid is in, like, the middle of the street trying to wave her down, so then Gail has to swerve, and she ends up crashing the van. Into a ditch and a tree. Smacking her head, passes out. Sid runs to the house. Dewey uh, has been stabbed in the back. 
and Ghostface comes up behind him. Sid goes to hide in Doobie's car, and she locks the doors one by one, and then Ghostface shows her that he has keys. So then they play, like, whack-a-mole with the locks for a while. But then they do something smart, and you see, like, back of the Jeep opening up, where he's, then Ghostface is coming in, which I think is probably Stu at this point. Yes, this is definitely Stu at this point. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't notice that Ghostface is coming up behind her, so she grabs the radio because somebody was radioing, and she tells them that the killer's there, they're at Stu's house, she gives the address, and then she gets attacked by Ghostface. Yeah, but not stabbed. All she does is get choked. Yep, and so she runs to the house as she's running up to the front steps. Randy and Stu run up, and they're both begging her for help and blaming one another for, like, saying that, like, they're the killer. And Sid just decides, fuck you both, and goes inside. I'm like, yes, Sid! Smart move. No having to go into the drama. I don't know who to believe. I screw I'm not believing anyone. That's it. It's over. Fuck you both. Billy then falls down the stairs and like he really commits to falling down the stairs. <laughs> he does. He gives it all for, for his part. I, I, I give you that. And so Sid goes to go check on him, whatever. And they limp their way to the front door and he asks her to give him the gun. Sorry, she has, I guess it's uh, Dewey's gun. Yeah, at this point. A, he, yeah he, he had dropped it. Yeah. So she has the gun. So she passes it to Billy. Billy opens the door, lets Randy in and then locks the door behind him. Randy's saying like, it's Stu, man. He's, he's gone mad or something like that. And then Billy turns around. And says, You don't go a little mad sometimes. And then shoots Randy. And then, in case you didn't get it, he goes, Anthony Perkins, psycho. Haha, ha, wink. Exactly. And then, as Sydney's like, What the fuck? He like licks the blood off of him. He's like, Mmm. Corn syrup and red dye, just like Carrie. But then, uh, so Sydney's like, no, and like goes to turn and run out the back door. But she runs straight into Stu, who then pulls out the voice changer and is like, surprise, Sydney. Yeah, that's that was a pretty good voice there. You, you should, why'd you wait till now to bring that up? Like, you two and a half hours. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> just I'll, like, I'll take my bow now. <laughs> Man, hold that one in your back pocket for a while now. All right. <laughs> Uh, my note is just Stu is the fucking best. <laughs> That's my next note. <laughs> Takes it up under the notch and from here on out until he dies. Oh, he's so good. So they make their way to the kitchen where Billy admits that they framed Cotton Weary. They're the ones who killed Sydney's mother. And it's exactly one day, like one year to the day that they murdered her. So it's the anniversary. And then she's like, why? Why'd you do it? And he's like, starts talking about motives. And he's like, not, not every killer has motives, Sid. Do they know why Hannibal Locker wanted to eat those people no i'm like yeah they they go into that he's like did norman bates have a reason i don't think so and i'm like he actually yes, did he did <laughs> that's what the movie's about actually <laughs> yeah the whole movie is about the reason why he's doing this but okay billy but then billy's like well how's this for motive your slut of a mother was fucking my father and that's why my mom abandoned me I'm like okay it's a reason yeah, she gets this look of, like, recognition in her eyes, like, oh, that is a reason. And I'm like, no, Sid. <laughs> like, it's not a good enough one. I think you were crazy already, and that just maybe tipped you over the edge a bit. They basically are like, and now you get to die because you lost your virginity. Ha ha ha. Like, whatever. And then Stu's like, wait, I've got a surprise for you. Well, hold on. It's gonna be a scream. scream. Ha ha. Movie. Got it. Roll credits. And then he goes and he gets her dad and then explains that they're going to be framing him. They're going to claim that he was driven insane by the anniversary of his wife's death and decided to go on a killing spree, then commit suicide. And they are going to be the sole survivors. 
So they decide that they're going to stab each other with superficial wounds in their side. So it looks like they've been attacked and they take turns stabbing each other. And so first Billy stabs Stu, then Stu stabs Billy. And then Billy starts like really stabbing Stu. Like five, six more times. Yeah. (laughs) Stu's just like, whoa, stop. I'm feeling a little woozy here. (laughs) You went too deep this last time or something like that. Or did you say that one later? And then um, Sydney's like, you sick fucks. You've seen one too many movies. And then Billy's like, don't blame the movies. Uh, Movies don't make psychos. They just make us more creative or something like that. So yeah, he's like, I'm a little woozy or whatever. And then Billy's like, okay, go get the gun. Let's get this done with. So Stu turns around to go get the gun that was behind him. And he's like, "Uh, Houston, we have a problem. The gun's gone. Then Billy just gets so upset. He's like, why can nothing go my way? I'm so upset. (laughs) And then. Is that when Gail Weathers shows up? Mm Mm-hmm. But yes, how about this for an ending for your movie? The reporter that was left for dead wakes up and comes yeah. in and kills your asses or something along those lines. Then when she tries to shoot him, safety's on. Kicks her in the stomach? Yeah, like he kicks her and like knocks her out. I don't know. And then he's just like, yeah, works better without the safety. Cracks his neck all creepily. And then he goes <laughs> and takes his sweet time. to. Sh- he's going to shoot her? Or stab her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is Gail Weathers signing off. And then Stu's just like, oh. He's like, what now? (laughs) Don't you see I'm busy? Can't you see I'm doing something right here right now? And Sydney has gone missing. Sydney has escaped with her father. And they're like, fuck. (laughs) And so they start searching for her. And then the phone rings. And it's Sydney on the phone. And she's like, guess you called the motherfucking cops and reported you. Like, uh uh-huh. And then, then Billy starts to tear the house apart. Yeah, and he's like, come on, do help. And then he's like, man, I think I'm dying here. <laughs> Which he is. And then um, Sid- he like is now on the phone with Sydney, and Sydney's like, come on, Stu, what's your motive? Billy has one. What's yours? And he's like, oh, peer pressure. I'm too sensitive. <laughs> Billy takes the phone from him and is screaming at Sid, and then he... So this was actually an accident that uh, Skeet did not need to like throw the phone, but he did. And then it hits Matthew Lillard in the head. <laughs> and Matthew Lillard responds just like in the moment, being like, ah, you hit me in the head with the phone, you dick. <laughs> just like. It's just so good. And then he picks up the phone again. He's like, Sid, did you really call the police? And she's like, you bet your sorry ass I did. He's like, oh man, my parents are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> All these lines were ad-libbed and he's just national treasure, Matthew Lillard. Let's have a moment for him. Well, he's still, he's still with us, right? He's like, did something happen? <laughs> His career died. Um, anyways. Um. Okay, then Sid jumps out of the closet. She's in the ghost face costume and she stabs Billy in the chest with an umbrella. Apparently Skeet's reaction's real because she missed the like pad that the comfort pad that she was supposed to hit yeah. and actually hit him in the chest. But on top of which, when Skeet was 10, he had open heart surgery. So he actually has surgical mesh there and it's incredibly Ouch. painful if it gets touched. So he was actually really in pain. Man, so she should have played like the killer in the very first scene where she looks very carefully to where she's supposed to stab him and then going for it. But no, instead we get that great reaction shot. So Billy falls to the ground, apparently going dead. Stu and Sid start fighting. They're chasing each other around the house. And basically Stu says something along the lines like, I've always had a thing for you, Sid. And then she drops a TV on his head and says, in your dreams. That was an old CRT TV, which was heavy enough to kill a man. Like if you drop one of these flat screens, it's not going to do much. <laughs> yeah. So she kills Stu and 
then Randy wakes up and he says that he's never been so happy to be a virgin in his life. Then Billy wakes up, he attacks Sid. Sid ends up putting her finger in his puncture wound from the umbrella. And so Wes Craven, which ouch, but Wes Craven specifically wanted this because it was like the revenge fuck is what he says. He penetrated her and it was not a good thing. So now she's penetrating him and it's not a good thing. Okay, I'll go with it. Yeah, but then Gail shoots Billy, saving Sydney. Sydney grabs the gun and Randy says something like, this is the part in the horror movie when the villain comes back for one last scare. And Billy's like, and then Sid shoots him in the head. Not in my movie. (laughs) Exactly, the best line. Get it? Because she gets to pick her movie like Billy said. So she's picking picking her genre. Yeah, I love it. Then her dad like stumbles out of the closet and she goes and helps him. And then we cut to paramedics on the scene. They're pulling Dewey out. He's alive. Um, And then Gail is getting ready to start her report. And we end on her reporting about the incident. Cool. So that's the end of the movie. I'm trying to see if I had any other fun facts that I forgot to uh, say. Oh, so originally the robe that Ghostface was supposed to wear was supposed to be white, but then they realized that he looked like a member of the Ku Klux Klan, so they X-nade that. The movie was originally called Scary Movie, which the parody franchise was then named after it. I think that's one one my everybody might know, right? That's like might be commonish yeah. knowledge, or maybe maybe I'm just giving the Generation Z more credit. I think you're giving them a lot of credit. All right. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley, aka Jesse from Saved by the Bell, wanted oh, yeah. to be Sydney, but they rejected her because she had been in Showgirls, and they were like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> if she had done it, maybe straight from Saved by the Bell, it might have worked, but not with Showgirls in between. Maybe. Yeah, which like, so the Scream TV series that they came out with. At one point, the killer asks the Randy equivalent in that, like, "What's your favorite scary movie?" And he says, "Showgirls." <laughs> love it. Also, Seth Green auditioned for the spot of Randy, and I love Seth Green. <laughs> so. I'm I'm happy we got who we got, but I could see Seth Green doing it. I could do. I don't know. I've been watching. I'm rewatching Buffy right now with Raj. Yeah. So we're in peak Oz season. And I'm like, oh, Seth Green, another strange 90s crush that I had, but can't really explain. <laughs> okay, Jeff, what would you do to fix this movie? I don't want it's not a perfect movie because I've cut back on the references. Keep them in there, but not as many. And the ones that are there, like maybe vet them a little bit. Do your research a little bit. Make sure <laughs> that these bit. references make sense. I agree. Maybe. Maybe watch the movie. Yeah, I like Stu at 11, but mm-hmm. I don't like Billy at 11 on the lunatic scale. Dial him down to maybe an 8. Dial him down in the earlier scene so it's not so obvious from the get-go that he's fucking creep. Put more Stu in this. <laughs> just, yeah. I want, instead of like Scream 5 with a whole new killer and whatever, I just want Scream 1 from Stu's perspective and just only Stu. <laughs> Just, just like Stu, what, what is Stu doing now? Where is Stu? When Stu's not around, people should be asking, where's Stu? Exactly. Just him waiting in that bathroom stall for two hours. <laughs> exactly. I want that'd that be movie. The, that'd be the whole movie. Just him, like, <laughs> being told to go to the bathroom stall and standing there uncomfortably for two hours. We can do some time lapse. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I want it done in real time. I want this movie in real time. Just him okay. in that bathroom stall. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a very famous one location movie or something like that. But like, it's like his one. And he's like going through all this drama all by himself in in the bathroom stall. Uh, what else I could do? Maybe show the father being a, maybe at least a little upset because you could you could think it's the dad the whole movie. Yeah, and then also like the fact that because Sydney's mother was murdered inside the house, right? So he's yeah. leaving town only a year after her murder, and he's like, "Yeah, hun, just stay in the house by yourself." 
Yeah. I know that her murderer is on death row, like, because I think it's cotton. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I would just be like, we just went through something super fucking traumatic in this house. Why don't you stay with Tatum until I get back? Yeah, like, stay here. And the movie can still go on as per usual. She, she can still get hinted down Tatum's house because not like her mom's going to help. Yeah. I mean, and Tatum has that extra bed in her room for no reason, so might as well stay in it. <laughs> exactly. Like, it, 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 maybe that bed there was, was for her. Maybe she was staying there after her mom died for a while. Then I stay in the house. So they bought a matching bed to the items. Exactly. Because they have money to burn, just not on housing, just not on cars. There's not much I would fix because anything else I would probably do would ruin something else. It's like Agreed. Like, it's, it's a balance of a movie. I love mm-hmm. 90% of it. I yeah. agree that this time when, like, listening to the dialogue, I was just like, some of these references aren't on point and there's a bit too many of them. And then also just, like, the toxic gaslighting and toxic masculinity that's being spouted out through the dialogue that I uh, have clearly ignored in my previous watches. <laughs> yeah, it would fix up, like, those things. But, I mean, overall, again, probably my favorite horror movie. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. Like, it's still up there. It's like the movie thinks Sydney should move on. It's one thing for, like, the characters in the movie to say it but i think the movie's also on the same page with i'm like she it's been a year you should move on I'm like, wait hold on no 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 it doesn't work that way grief is a long process yeah but the movie's like it's been a year you should get over it come on Cindy, stop being yeah. so cold to your boyfriend you know and that whole <laughs> i need to have sex thing is also maybe a plot line i might have trimmed back or cut or something just yeah 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 it was a bit it was a bit much you could show her being cold. You could talk about it once and then maybe show her being cold in other ways. Like, oh, maybe. Yeah, like if he tries to put his arm around her, she kind of like shrinks yeah. or something like yeah. that. It didn't have to be this constant conversation of like, oh, I am frigid and I like show don't tell. Because actually she's not because if you think about it, the very first scene with her and him, when he's like, come on, I want an R-rated relationship or whatever it is or unrated. Mm-hmm. She's like, what about PG-13? Like she's still like, she's not being frigid. Yeah. She's still like open, just not yeah to like to his to his level, I guess is the only way I can put it. And as I said, like if she is a virgin at this point, like it's completely normal to be a virgin in high mm-hmm. school and wanting to wait at that age. And that's outside of going through traumatic experiences. Like, you could just, at that age, decide that you're not ready. Which is fine. But they really focus on that. Like, uh, you haven't done it. They don't ever show her being, like, distant or cold. Just She just Mm -hmm. won't go all the way. She'll make out with them. They'll, like, do whatever. Like, let's do over-the-close stuff. Like, still, like, all right. What would you rate it? I was going to be like, eight and a half is a good number. But I don't like doing half. So I'm like, eight or nine. I'll go eight. I'll go eight. I'm at a nine. I think I talked myself into an A because of all the stuff I just brought up. Which is fair. Well, that's still a pretty high score for the first movie. No, it is. We'll have to see as... So, as a person who has seen the four movies mm-hmm. a couple of times, I've told yep. Jeff my ranking of the movies. We'll have to see upon mm-hmm. rewatch if it still stays in that order. Yeah. But to me, Scream 1 is the best. Scream 4 is the second best. Scream 2 is the third. And the third movie can just fuck itself. <laughs> I hate that movie. I remember liking the third movie. I remember liking... The, I remember me really not liking the second one. So, I might... Mm-hmm. Ours is similar. I think I might switch <laughs> 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. 2 is the worst one. Then 3 right over it. And I think... I think four is a better movie. That's fair. It's just three is such a disaster because they were writing the pages and literally handing them to the actors like as they were writing them and yeah. they had no clue where the fuck they were going with it. 
what I like about the third one is that I love that, well it starts in the second one really but like the the parody like movie version of oh, oh, what yeah, happened like, like and that it's like a complete recreation of the movies like I just I love that there's the stab series in the scream series it's too good yeah. and then the third one that's when they go to her house like the the, the set of her house and it's like exactly just her like house, her house yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so like stuff like that. I, I, I remember liking stuff like that but then again I saw in the movie theater when it came out and I have I might have seen it one more time since then a good while since I've seen it yeah I've, as I said I think I've seen it twice so I saw it that initial weekend when I rented all three of the movies and I rewatched the first one several times I rewatched the second one maybe twice that weekend and then the third one I was like <laughs> like watched it the once and then a few years ago oh wait no so I must have seen it three times because before Scream 4 came out I decided to rewatch yeah. all of them Makes and then sense. I don't know probably guess it's almost been a decade now when i decided to rewatch them again (laughs) but yes i've watched it like two or three times i can't remember the details of the third one so that will be interesting i remember bits and pieces but that's it yeah hey we're we're back and we're here scream Mm -hmm. get you guys excited for the new one and also, you know, since we started off in 1996, I've been watching something else that is based in 1996, and I need to bring Jeff in on it because it's yes. fucking amazing. Yellow Jackets. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend. It's a new show on Showtime. It's about this girls' soccer team that they're heading off to their championships in 1996, and their plane crashes in the wilderness of Canada. And they get stuck there for 19 months and descend into cannibalism and madness. And then it flashes back and forth between that timeline and modern day where they're being blackmailed and possibly killed off. And they're trying to, it's all about like, what the fuck did they do out there in the wilderness? But anyways, it's really cool. Really good. Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, all the 90s songs. Oh, oh, that, there's 90s songs in it? All right. I might like that. Oh, that, fuck that, yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. And since it's a mystery series, we're going to break it down episode by episode for you so that we don't spoil the mysteries. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'll be watching along because Jackie's already watched it. I haven't seen any of it. So we're going to give each episode of the show each, an episode here. It's going to be like a little spinoff thing we're going to be running. So for a little while, you guys are you guys are blessed. See, you're going to come back with movies, but also this little to, as a little thank you for for hanging with us during our eight month little sabbatical break. We're going to give you guys Yellow Jackets too in our review covering of it. Yeah, review and analysis, I think, because since there is such mystery within it, like we're going to figure some stuff out. So um, I'm excited. I told Jackie, luckily she told me about this because I was about to watch it a couple times. I just hadn't put it on yet. I was just like waiting to watch it. But now... Now you'll get fresh eyes and then yes. I'll try not to spoil things along the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be great. We got this. So, yeah. So that's that. And we'll eventually, we'll eventually, once we get back in the swing of things, circle back to catch up to the things we might have missed. Yeah, we're going to come back to, I'm not looking forward to next kin. I'm not oh, yeah, looking forward yeah. to having to watch Devil Made Me Do It Again. I am looking forward to seeing Spiral again, though. I want to give it a shot with, with a different perspective. That's fair. I still haven't yeah. seen it. I'm really dreading finishing that stupid Conjuring movie. I don't, I don't blame you. That movie. Oh, boy. Ugh. We'll, we'll finish Scream. We're going to be doing Yellow Jackets. We'll yeah. circle back. Not sure when. We'll get there eventually. We'll have some bonus special episodes, maybe. We'll see. Well, I guess this is the end of our episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> what we do now? Uh, we do something about social media and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. We hope that you join us next for our next episode, which... 
you know, it's kind of a up in the air right now. If it's going to be Yellow Jackets or Scream 2, we'll figure it out and you'll figure it out at the same time. <laughs> and uh, if you want to follow us in the meantime, you can join us on our Facebook group, which is Series of Horrors Podcast, I believe. And then our Instagram is Series of Horrors. Yeah. Also, if you want to email us, uh, Series of Horrors at gmail.com. Anything, info. What you've been up to the last eight months has been gone. We want to know about you guys. Just let us know what's been happening, what's going on. Those Anything you want us to talk about. And new recipes. I'm still always looking for stuff stuff to make. I've, have, I've cooked a little bit for the holidays. We'll be back next time with Scream 2, continuing our franchise of Scream. And let us know if you have a franchise you want us to cover. Also looking forward to it. And keep an eye out. TikTok coming soon. Yeah. Should be fun. Maybe. I have to figure out how TikTok works. <laughs> Do you have any tips? Let me know. Yeah, any TikTok tips. Tick. Talk tips for Jackie. Would <laughs> be great. That's a tongue twister right there. It got me. It got me the first time. I didn't think about it. <laughs> it's only 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, 40. 40. <laughs> Just All take right. it back. With that, I guess we should sign off, Jeff. Let, let, yes. Let's cut this. <laughs> Thank you, my, our friends. We will see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Have a good one. Well, feels good to be back, Jackie. Yes, it does. Yes. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye.